Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Quest. Today, we are bringing on Gwyn Lease. She is a gameplay engineer for Rec Room currently. And in the past, she also worked as a software engineer at Microsoft um, on the HoloLens project. She's also been an intern at Next Level Games when she was studying in Canada years ago. And so we talked about HoloLens in the last episode with Michael Gourlay. Michael Gourlay. And so we learned a little bit about HoloLens and augmented reality there. And so we get into a little bit about like what it was like for her to join that project when it was a secret project. And, and also the challenge of taking that on when it basically was unprecedented and building off of some things that already existed, but not a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And she worked a lot with interaction design, and a lot of HoloLens is built off of gestures and how, as a human, you're interacting with this augmented world, and you're not really using, you're not using controllers. There's no buttons, there's no physical medium. Right. yeah. Yeah, you're using gestures with your hands. And so it was really fascinating to talk with her about what went into some of that and what it was like to be a part of that growth and that experience. Um, we also get into uh, Rec Room, which is the company that she works for now, as you mentioned. And um, so Rec Room is a, is a social VR application, um, but it's, it's so much and we really get into it. So I'll save it for the episode. But basically, you can like socially interact within it. You can build within it. You can play mm-hmm. games. Um, I mean, it's appropriately named as a recreational room because there's just so much that you can do with it. It's very much one of these class of experiences or platforms that is really starting to kind of embody that idea of the metaverse or a virtual space, like a virtual world where you can just go do anything. Yeah, They even have their whole suite of creation tools now that they've been building on for a few years that you can just build whole levels and experiences as a player within Rec Room. And so they're very much so like a user-generated platform right user content generated yeah and it's truly unbelievable what some people can do with the platform (laughs) as we experienced and we'll talk about um so and we also get into so a lot of what this has to do there's there's themes and connections obviously across all of our episodes but building off of the previous one with mike gourlay about the metaverse and augmented reality and what it's like to essentially build a new virtual world. Mm -hmm. We get into the challenges of that. Obviously, there's social ones like how do you facilitate good social interactions? Uh, But we also get into monetization, like how do you create value in that world? uh, How do you create trade? How do you you create create products? Like a whole marketplace. Exactly. Which is something that usually kind of emerges naturally in the real world. But here you're trying to you're trying to build one from scratch and architect it right. from the start, yeah, which is a hard problem. <laughs> uh, totally. But good thing we have Gwen. We call her Gwen is God, I guess, in this <laughs> circumstance. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so if uh, you didn't listen to the previous episode with Mike, we do talk about HoloLens uh, and we talk about augmented reality and the metaverse. I feel like those are great episodes to listen to for context there. You don't have to, uh, but we're not giving any more context because we've already done a lot of that in the previous two episodes. So that's, uh, by the way, that one's called Welcome to the Metaverse with Michael Gourlay, parts one one and and two. two. Um, So that's a great context here. Uh, And yeah, I think like we just had a ton of fun with Gwen. Honestly, so many giggles. It was a very giggly conversation. Yeah. (laughs) And one thing to be aware of is that this one's actually slightly dated. We recorded it, I think, back in September. 
Um, we didn't want to release it right then because uh, we wanted to give it a little space since we were talking about social VR with Katie Kelly at that time. Mm-hmm. In episode um, one. Yeah, but we do talk about a lot of different topics um, within the same general construct of social VR. I think this one is a little bit more engineering focused as well. Like For engineering sure. design, whereas Katie Kelly's was a little bit more focused on the social interplay. And like the community, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so there might be a couple of things that we mentioned that are a bit outdated. Uh, primarily, you know, we wa- we'll make sure to update you with anything that is new in mm-hmm. Rec Room uh, and all of that since then. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the outro. So I think that's all. Uh, sit back and enjoy the ride. Did you start out in video game design or development at some point? Or? Yeah. So it started with one of the internships I did at college. Okay, um, gotcha. So I studied computer science. Yeah. And then uh, the school I went to has this awesome, they call it co-op. Um, I don't know if that's, is that like a Canadian term or is, well, is that different from I can tell you what I think it means from a U.S. perspective, which mm-hmm. is it means you're working <laughs> while you're also working is part of your education, meaning like you'll go mm-hmm. to school and then you'll work for part of that. work for a semester so meaning like my sister did it for a nursing degree where you have to do clinical uh, and actually go in and do stuff it's Mm -hmm. not just academic and like going yeah that makes sense um yes the way waterloo does it is you do six co-op terms or like six internships okay so you alternate it's cool because then you don't get sick of school as much i feel like because you (laughs) You do like alternate yeah exactly a term a term of school and then a term of work yeah um and i did a bunch of different companies but one of them was at um next level games in vancouver oh and i've never i'd never had so much fun in my in my entire (laughs) life it was and i still can't believe they hired me for that job because before that i had just worked at like sun life financial doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not very much at all. Um, and I remember going to the job interview for for Next Level and feeling like I was begging them. I was like, please, like, please, please, please. Like, I don't know why you should hire me, but like, just do it. I promise I will like try so hard. And somehow I convinced them. And uh, it was so much fun. It was amazing. Awesome. And that convinced me like I need to work in some kind of interactive entertainment yeah. Something. What was it about it that that you found so engaging and just enjoyable? Like what I think as... I think part of it is that it's so visual. Okay, so bef- the, the before that, feedback. yeah, like my plan before that was to study natural language processing and oh, like AI I is super interesting and like I still like <laughs> love language and linguistics and like learning about that kind of stuff kind of as a hobby. Um, but I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to go to grad school and like study NLP and this will be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about the, the day to day of the little bit of NLP that I, that I did that mm-hmm. was like not as immediately, I didn't get that like gut satisfaction that you do when, when you do like a graphics project and you're like, I rendered yeah. my first triangle <laughs> or you like, when you like write a ray tracer or something and yeah. you're like, this is literally just, just a immediate. triangle, but you're yeah. like, I made that yeah. and you yeah. can see it. There's something mm-hmm. about that that is just like, so it's just so much more visceral. Somehow. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I imagine you feel like a magician in some way. Kind of. You're like, yeah. I made this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love the weird bugs that happen. I'm sure that's true, like, anywhere in, in CS, but there's something about graphics bugs that are just, like, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Or taking screenshots of just, like, weird stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you ended up getting that job at Next Level, 
What was like your skill set at that point? So I would have had, I think, three semesters of college, maybe four. And I'd done two two co-op terms at Sun Life Financial doing like a little bit of programming, but it was in like, it was writing like SQL stored procedures, like not relevant to game dev like at all. Um, But I'd done a bunch of like game sort of hobby projects and like in high school yeah um i did a bunch of game projects actually uh, this trip i just got back with got back from visiting my family mm-hmm. part of it was going through like old boxes of crap like in my closet and i, I found i found a bunch of like hilariously <laughs> embarrassing stuff including like vhs tapes of oh. like school project videos from when i was 12 at like yeah. peak insane awkwardness oh, um <laughs> but i found an old laptop with a bunch of my old like programming oh. projects and i found the first game i ever made which is called turtle blaster <laughs> it was <laughs> it was made in visual basic and it was like a turtle <laughs> it was like a turtle emoticon and a skull emoticon and you were the oh. turtle and you just like wasdy like moved yeah, around yeah, yeah. you shot a little laser in the skull <laughs> just like tick 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 at like i don't even know like one frame a second like oh moving gosh. around uh it was so just terribly dude, bad dude. Well, how uh, old were you when you made that uh i think that was for some like summer program i did mm. in middle school i think it was before high school so like 13 you, maybe how did you know like at that point how did you know you were interested in game making and all of that how did you get introduced to it yeah so i'd always loved computers like as long as i can remember Mm -hmm. um and my parents have this picture of me from when i was a baby like the week i came home from the hospital where my dad like sat me down at a desk and he made this little program where if you like smashed on the keyboard uh the screen would change color and so apparently like from like the first week (laughs) i was just like and i was like very very into it apparently i've never Uh, come across anybody that had like gotten some sort of specific interaction with computers that early (laughs) yeah so uh i'm just so thankful for that that like my parents decided to expose me to that that, because um for a while i wanted to be a vet when i was a little Mm -hmm. kid because my mom's a vet (laughs) Um, i'll hang out with puppies (laughs) exactly until i realized like i can't stand to see animals in pain which is like pretty much the whole job so (laughs) maybe this is not for me um but i feel like since like middle school i remember and i found Mm -hmm. old you know in school they're like write a paragraph about what you want to be when you grow up or whatever. And I found old stuff that's like, yeah. I, that's like so embarrassing to read now. That's like, well, I already know some visual basics, so I'm already a pretty good programmer. And like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take over Microsoft one day and be the next Bill Gates. And like all this, just like something a, a 12 year old would write. Yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm thankful that I've kind of known for as long as I can remember that I wanted to do something mm-hmm. with computers. Yeah. Uh, and then it was, yeah, into, that internship that games seemed like a real option. Mm-hmm. So I'd always love playing them, but I kind of had this impression that like, I don't know, it was hard to get into games specifically, like, mm-hmm. uh, or I wouldn't be able to make it or that it would be like embarrassing to work on something that wasn't the most amazing popular <laughs> game it ever. It wasn't one of those successful AAA titles. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And I've like totally changed my stance on that, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I had a similar perception mm-hmm. go- coming out of high school, going into to university, because I studied video game design. Okay. Um, I was I was more on like the creative side of, or like the, I guess, uh, story-wise creative, obviously, like solving technical problems, like figuring out how to build graphics mm-hmm. um, is just as creative in so many different ways. Um, but I was drawn more towards like the storytelling and kind of the the constructing of the experience. The narrative design. Yeah. But it was because I was like, I grew up around computers and like troubleshooting and just like building uh, my own custom machines and stuff. But I was still discouraged from getting into more technical 
uh, like programming type roles. Uh, Do you just, feel like you discouraged yourself or like externally you were discouraged? Uh, it's a combination. I mean, I was, I was, I think the observation was, ah, oh, well, you're not like a genius at math um, mm. because you're not being taught it in any way that's particularly engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably not going to be good at programming and that sort of thing. Mm. That was like the general perception. That makes me want to cry. That's I so know. tragic. <laughs> that's so tragic. Also, the game industry was not perceived as a as a reliable career path. Yeah, as that's what it sounded like. You you kind of observed earlier yeah, on. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get to the point in college after going through all these game jams and doing the program for two years where I felt like it it was going to be a reliable path. Mm-hmm. So I ended up breaking away from that. So I'm really glad that you didn't. <laughs> I feel like I got lucky. So I did that that yeah. internship, which I feel super thankful to even have had the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I was graduating and I had an offer to go work at Google on, I don't even know what, I think because they, at least at the time, you'd get the offer before you're even matched with the, with the team. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was my plan was to go do that. And then in my like last semester, I got an email from, it was a LinkedIn message actually, Oh. from someone I had worked with at that internship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, do you want to come make games in Victoria? It was like a one sentence Ooh. LinkedIn message, <laughs> uh, which I almost deleted because I was <laughs> like, like, this, this is going to mess up real. my life plan because oh, no. <laughs> I'm supposed to move to the Bay Area with my partner and all my friends from school. But you know, when you like hear about an opportunity and you have this feeling, this gut feeling, we're like, I yeah. have to, I have to follow up on this. Yeah, it just feels right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so I did. And I assumed... Because this was in like late 2011. So I figured, because all they could tell me was it'll be a game for an unreleased platform. Okay. So at that point, I figured, oh, we're due for another console. So it's probably for the next yeah. Xbox. Yep. Um, not realizing until my first day after I'd accepted and like moved to Victoria instead of the Bay Area uh, <laughs> that it was HoloLens. Like surprise, oh. you get to work on augmented reality. Yeah. Um, was it still a secret project at that time? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So I, I started exciting. in 2012 and we announced it, I think, 2015. I think it was a year after I moved here. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was like three years of working on it and like loving my job <laughs> and trying to talk to friends and family about it and being Without- like... Yeah, like physically (laughs) unable to contain my excitement, uh, but not being able to say anything at all about Mm -hmm. it, except that it was kind of games related. Yeah. Um, And yeah, the day we announced HoloLens, we weren't, we still weren't allowed to confirm that we were working on it until like 5 p.m. that day for some reason, like all the press had to go out or whatever. And I remember calling my parents at like 5.01 being like, I can finally, I can finally (laughs) tell you what it is. I can tell you what I've been doing all these years. Um, But I could have easily just been at Google working on... I don't know, some some random thing there. Yeah. If it wasn't for that connection I had from that internship, finding me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And uh, I go crazy thinking about it. You know when you have those like branch points in your life uh, where you're like, yeah. I could have easily done, my life would be like so completely different. <laughs> the, right. the, uh, the last person that we had a conversation with was uh, Tom Furness. And he's often regarded as like the grandfather of AR mm-hmm. um, because he got started with it back in the f- 50, 60s, I think. Um, in the Air Force. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, building these head-mounted displays for pilots. But he only did that because he had joined the Air Force to become a pilot. And then just like that was his whole life dream up until that point. And then he couldn't read the last couple lines on the eye uh. test. And so because he failed that a second time after trying to uh, to retake it, he they ended up putting him into this more technical path where he was working on these projects and building things. And then it just led him down this crazy path where he is now. 
And he can look back and remember that's the one point where yeah. it, it sent him on this path from being a pilot to building all these crazy technologies. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, because like you had said, you almost deleted that message. Or it's almost like there's <laughs> – and, and, and he had said how upset he was, obviously, yeah. about not – being able to read that line, it's like at those moments, it's almost like you, there's a weird thing in your body that's like upset ever. or fighting <laughs> yeah. it or whatever, and then the change happens. It's all that like perception that you're in at the time yeah. doesn't match your expectations, and then you look back in retrospect and you're like, that was the best thing that ever happened. Totally. I like to tell myself that all the time when things go wrong. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is I'm one of those moments. Back at it's going to be like, fine. Who knows? We're all going to be <laughs> laughing at this. So, yeah. <laughs> But you're still crying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Someday this will be funny. Um, that's so amazing. When you so you went to Victoria first for Hololens. Yeah. Uh, and so when what was that like just being brought onto that project? Because it's like a secret project. So how does that even work? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I remember my first day, and I think at that point there were like 20, 25 other people. I was one of the last hires um who joined that team. Um, I remember my first day. They sat me down and gave me a demo. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was not untethered yet. So it was it's this oh. like crazy prototype <laughs> contraption. It was at least at the point where it was being put onto your head yeah. as opposed to there were some like way earlier days where like you were putting your head onto into some a thing. like into a yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was still like attached to a computer. Yeah. And uh, I remember they, they showed me this demo for I don't know, some like prototype game thing that wasn't released that was kind of you were like firing missiles. There were like... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a Space Invaders style thing where like ships are coming in or something yeah. and you're trying to like shoot them. Um, but it was all voice controlled. And so oh. they're like, all right, this is like my first day. And they're like, all right, so you interact with this by saying fire. So I'm sitting there just saying fire, 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 fire over and over <laughs> again, which is like already a bit of an awkward interaction yeah. to begin with. But when like all of your new coworkers are just like in a circle Circles around you, like you. watching you, um, it was a little <laughs> bit weird. Uh, and it took me, I think, about a week for it to kind of hit me like holy shit, this is amazing. Because I think I had this expectation, like, oh, I'm working on Xbox games. Yeah. And I sit down and I put this, like, crazy thing on my face. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. uh, and it didn't, yeah, it took a little bit for it to really register. Like, mm. oh, no, this is actually, like, insanely cool. And I basically just won the job lottery, having, like, yeah. kind of fallen into this. Um, yeah, the, the onboarding is interesting. Our team was small enough and we were a remote office. Um, so we had a lot of freedom to kind of do things how we, how we wanted, um, which is good compared to like when I transferred down here to headquarters, I had to go through the standard Microsoft new yeah, employee yeah. stuff yeah, orientation here stuff. Being Seattle, so, it, Washington, yeah. so it was almost more of like a, uh, entrepreneurial sort of project. It's like research and development's kind of flexible because they don't really know what it needs to look like yet. Yeah, and, partly. And yeah. partly because that particular team just happened to be remote. Like okay. we had a bunch of sibling teams that were in Redmond yeah. that I think had a little bit less freedom to do stuff. It was partly just because okay. we were like so like physically remote. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Which had a bunch of like good things and bad things about it. Mm -hmm. um, that was part of the appeal to me was it seemed like the best of both worlds and that it felt like a small team mm -hmm. where I interviewed with the people I was going to be working with, which is yeah. always a big pro uh, for me anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was part of Microsoft. And so there's less risk than like, oh, I'm joining some it's indie studio. Stable. Or, it's not a startup. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like, yeah, exactly. It's not a startup. It's not a third party game studio that like potentially has a lot more risk to it. Yep. Um, not realizing the downside <laughs> is that then if Microsoft decides that that team doesn't Scott. need to be around anymore, um, which is how I ended up down in in Seattle. Was uh, I think it was like a year oh. and a half after I started. That team got 
shut down and we got kind of moved around and yeah some folks got laid off which is still sad to think about but uh yeah. but it was yeah. it was great while we were there yeah well i think it was from what i've heard from other people on the hololens team i mean it is kind of an interesting thing and i assume though i have no clue that oculus and facebook went through something similar where mm -hmm. it is literally it's like this huge corporation and you literally are bringing in basically a startup yeah, within that like consume them even though your... hololens was not an acquisition but it from my my understanding is it felt like to everyone on those teams even the ones that were local compared to everyone else working mm -hmm. there um at microsoft like on other teams yeah. it felt way more like a startup in a totally different separate culture than everything else yeah and so i imagine it's pretty hard for everyone involved both the big companies and the people working on the teams to figure out how to mesh those two types of <laughs> yeah. personalities well, completely you know? different cultures yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I haven't worked anywhere else at Microsoft except within HoloLens, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I can't totally compare. But that matches everything that I've heard from other folks that have been right. on sort of both sides of it. Yeah. And it made recruiting really hard. Like initially when it was still unannounced, that made recruiting super hard because you're like, trust me, it's cool. But you yeah. like, can't say anything. <laughs> um, but even after we announced, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know if I want to work at Microsoft. And I was like, well, I can speak for my corner of it. Which I think is, yeah, probably true of a lot of big companies where, yeah. you know, it's it totally depends what team you're on, what the culture yeah, is like. Yeah, that is, that is what I keep hearing regardless of which large tech firm you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's like when you're at a startup, it's really the individual culture of that team. But once you get into these large corporations, I mean, there's teams that may be more frustrating to work with depending on your personality. And then there's other ones that may be super casual. There's ones that might be really intense in the, their work rhythm but like it just depends on who you are and kind of what you mesh with totally yeah yeah even within the same team it can just be like depends on who you're reporting to <laughs> yeah. you know Maybe, yeah. so when you were working on hololens uh, you went from video game design into or video game development um into that type of experiment research what did they have you doing like what kind of things were you doing yeah so when i started that whole studio was working on game prototypes okay um and i think at that point the org that our team was in was actually part of Xbox, I believe, oh. back then. Um, we got reorged out of it so that we weren't anymore, but mm -hmm. at the time we were. Um, there was a shift like a couple of years, I want to say, into me being on the team where we shifted the focus to more enterprise and educational. Like when we realized that V1 was not going to be a consumer-focused yeah. device. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back when I started, that wasn't the case quite yet. Okay. Oh, You're I You're still trying to that. figure out that that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had a couple of different game prototypes that I was working on. And okay. then tech-wise, the um, first thing I worked on was some hand gesture uh, prototypes, which nice. was super fun, um, especially because at that point when I joined, uh, the prototype hardware didn't actually have depth sensors on it yet. It was oh. like somewhat up in the air. Okay. If we were like actually going to have like proper hand tracking. And Wait, so let's let's rewind yeah. for a second <laughs> Go back yeah gestures just for like anyone listening who's not familiar with hololens mm -hmm. um is basically how you you're gonna say this better than me but it's like how you <laughs> it's the it's the interaction with uh the holograms meaning like instead of having a mouse click and doing something like that you're using gestures to to pull stuff up to move it to minimize it etc right yeah with your actual hands not, yeah. a, not a remote exactly yeah. it's being able to interact with it directly by using your hands by and, moving moving your hands yeah. and so currently it does that using like it, it sees your hand and recognizes it using what uh it has a depth sensor on it okay and so, then you're saying it didn't used to have depth sensors yeah there was like a second in the prototype process where it didn't okay so uh, how did it and do i don't it at all 
Uh, so you can do mm-hmm. something called depth from stereo. So if you think about oh, how your brain works, yeah. So if you think about like how do you see in 3D with your with your eyes? Yeah, and your I brain. have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> so. slight, slight separation it honestly, of your eyes. It just eyes. happens exactly. for me. Yeah. I don't even try. You well, know? like if you if you <laughs> <laughs> come so easily. <laughs> <laughs> just intuitive. Just, just think yeah. about it. Anyways, you were born okay, to yeah. do it. All right, you, tell me. Like tell if me. you, that's why. Like if you close one eye, um, things look very flat. If like it's hard to tell how far away a thing so is. So I never understood that because when I, I, I've heard this before. Mike's gonna be so upset with me. He taught me all this stuff. And he's gonna be like, <laughs> "What have I done? <laughs> I taught you nothing." Um, no, but I. Okay, so when I close one eye, uh-huh. like I, it all looks the same. Part of that. I think is that your brain Remembers. already understands the room. How and big part of things it, are. Yeah, yeah, and part of it is like even with one eye, like you you learn so much about like how rooms work and how yeah. like perspective. From, yeah, exactly. Um, that the depth separation is just, or the the separation between your eyes is just one cue for depth. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like the second you close one eye, everything immediately appears flat. Especially yeah. if you're looking at a scene like in this room that you've already been looking at for like yeah. an hour before you do it. <laughs> Um, but if you like hold your finger out and you like switch back and forth in your left and your right eye, you can see it like moving, right? Like clearly your eyes, there's like that physical separation Mm -hmm. and the amount that it shifts is different based on how close or far it is from you. So if you're looking at a mountain in the distance and you toggle between your, between your eyes, you're not going to see the mountain moving back and forth, (laughs) right? Or even like a a lamppost, you know, a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) I have moved the mountain, (laughs) uh, but like a finger at arm's length you know yeah. you can definitely see that moving back and forth so bizarre so yeah, no, it totally works you can <laughs> do a similar thing with uh with like two cameras yeah so when we mm. when there wasn't the point in time when there wasn't a depth sensor on the hololens um there were still cameras that it would use to do the um head tracking the like positional and rotational head tracking mm-hmm. um and so based on those two images you can compare like for a given pixel mm-hmm. how much does it shift left mm. to right the when you like switch between the two? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had, I think the platform, so I didn't like write the depth from stereo stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just like available to us and it would spit out. It was like, given this, um, these two camera inputs, yeah. we will give you a depth map, um, which when you have a depth sensor is often this like beautiful, rich image that where <laughs> the, you can visualize it as like the colors or the like Brightness or darkness of the pixels represents how far away it is, is from that you. Basically, kind of like the connect. Yeah, uh, exactly. The, yeah, where yeah, it actually. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, you could explain well, that, but <laughs> the, the connect in particular, um, just what that device has as far as similar yeah, capabilities. Yeah, that's a good. So there are multiple versions of the connect. So I never worked on connect directly. Yeah. I believe the depth sensor on the Hololens is a successor to connect. Okay. It's like mm-hmm. related tech. Yeah. I also believe. The first version and second version of Connect do depth differently, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't remember which is which or super well how either of them worked. Okay. So and Connect was also made by Microsoft, and yes. it was a console. Yeah. So it was uh, something you would plug into your Xbox first mm-hmm. with yeah. the Xbox 360, and then there was one for the Xbox One as well. Mm-hmm. And the idea was uh, your body was the controller. So right. you would stand in front of this sensor mm-hmm. and you would dance around, move your arms, you move like your legs. Full body gesture recognition. Yeah, totally. Right. Exactly. It's like hand tracking, but for your whole your whole yeah. body. Is that yeah. how is that what they use for things like Wii? Uh, uh I, no, I think that Wii just had accelerometers and gyroscopes and a few other sensors like that built into controllers. Okay, at so first. Yeah. Right. 
So what was Connect used for initially? Uh, I think entirely for games. I, um, I remember some sort of demo where like literally you're standing in front of the TV and like hitting balloons yeah. out of the screen or something like that. Like it would, I remember, I have seen uses yeah. nowadays where it's like it it shows you a mirror of yourself mm-hmm. and adds in things so that it yeah it looks like you're it hitting balloons the... yeah it overlays or it looks like there's a dinosaur next to you or something like that <laughs> yeah when yeah. you're looking at the screen yeah mm-hmm. um but i never saw any games or i don't really remember when it came out and what was going on at that point yeah, i didn't use it extensively either. there are a bunch of games like there's some that are like a collection of kind of like mini games and stuff like there's one uh Oh, man. And the team that I was on and that uh, Michael was on worked yeah. on a bunch of these yeah, yeah. Uh, before my time. So I'm going to like embarrass yeah. myself now by not well, remembering. That's okay. Connect you know Fun Labs. We'll, we'll talk to Mike. Uh, Did you ever reference? work with Mike? <laughs> uh, no. Well, he yeah. left oh. Good Science before I joined. Um, oh. I knew like of him, um, okay. but we never we were never on the same team together. <laughs> I had heard. I had heard legend of Michael. No, actually. Everyone like thinks he's awesome and they would talk about how cool Michael was. Yeah. Um, Michael Gourlay. Yeah, Michael, Michael. Gour- Gourlay. No, Gourlay. Gourlay. Yeah, oh, no, I did it. Think of it, like, think of it as like, ole. That's yeah. how I think of it. And like, I do it too much now. I'm like, Michael, Michael Gourlay. Gourlay. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, oh, Connect so, Games. Yeah. Yes. yeah so um, a lot of them are super physical. So like Dance Central is one of them mm. where you're like dancing yep. in time and you're trying to like mimic the to have a little like avatar on the screen. And you're kind of like mimicking the moves. Um <laughs> Or you can do like rock climbing or there's some yeah. where you're like uh, in like a raft together with another person and mm-hmm. you're like jumping to make the raft like jump to go over boulders <laughs> and stuff. Um, there's a bunch of, I don't know, just like fun interactions that you can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they clearly took a lot of the uh, learning from that whole project and, and, yeah. and well, yeah, contributed and that. They're that not producing that. connects anymore, right? Yeah, I don't believe they are i don't know sorry microsoft i have no yeah. clue I d- but I <laughs> this is getting like, into yeah okay to like fine. all right reorg territory well, let's, where yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> it makes me sad and angry let's um uh, well and, that's fine the point is y- just connect. i was just yeah we we're just trying to like get an idea of like the kind of stuff that you were and, that you were working on and developing gotcha. well yeah and with the connect i just you know wanted to touch on what it was so that people listening can understand what we're talking about if they yeah. don't know yeah that makes um sense. Yep. So, so a lot of that, so the depth sensors were probably used, um, the, the depth sensors were carried over basically from connect to, yeah, they were at least related. I don't know if it was literally the same sensor right, or if right. it was like a successor or like, whatever. So they recycled yeah. them. Yeah. They right? like took a yeah. connect and they glued it onto, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but before there was like a, a window in time where we didn't even have that. And so we just had the depth from stereo, mm-hmm. which was this like, postage stamp sized like (laughs) terrible i don't remember the resolution but it was like super small Uh and you were just getting these like super grainy blobs to the point where you wouldn't even see fingers and so we called it stump tracking (laughs) because you would you would hold hold your hand out and you know just see like maybe your the like palm the back of the palm of your hand um but we made some interactions with that we made made one where you would you'd have to open a portal yeah. Uh, and so you'd like hold your, your hand, your stump out and then, um, <laughs> make a circle, a clockwise circle three times or mm-hmm. a counterclockwise circle three times. Yeah, and we like could, re- we could detect that reliably enough. We could like kind of tell where the center of your stump, stump. was, uh, <laughs> and kind of track where you kind of making a circle. Yeah. 
and it was like kind of fun. That that okay. part was kind of fun. Yeah. We had another one where you could scroll a web page uh-huh. by holding your hand out and then moving it either up or down. <laughs> and it would scroll the page. It was terrible. Would not recommend. Was that was say, a bad it prototype. It seems like a very like rough motor movement. <laughs> oh yeah. To precisely control a web page. Yeah, totally. Um but yeah, it was at that, that phase of the project where we were just trying a bunch of crazy stuff just yeah. to yeah. see what would so work. So lots of like different kinds of interaction design yeah. in this sort of like AR totally. platform. Yeah. So now, okay, let's get into a bit of the nitty gritty here because I'm curious about like what you were actually doing at the time. Are you like coding to make that happen or how how does that even work? Yeah, so for the depth from stereo stuff, mm-hmm. um, I was writing code, prototyping these interactions. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it was... There was like an API that would give us that depth image. Mm-hmm. So we would get this, okay. hey, this is your depth map. And then I was, I for that prototype, I was mostly plugging libraries together. So a lot of the time um, when you're prototyping something, you're like, I just want to see if this feels good. Yeah. It doesn't matter if this is shippable or not. Like, let me just cobble together yeah, a bunch of stuff. Rough. Yeah, just rough. Um, like there was another hand checking prototype where we weren't using depth. We were just trying to use the camera feed. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a camera on the front. We have a picture. If you can see your hand, we want to know, is your hand open or closed? Mm-hmm. Like, are your all five fingers out or are they not out? Mm-hmm. And for that one, um, there was a senior dev on my team who found this paper that was like, if you basically combine... Uh, there were like three different steps basically, mm-hmm. um, which, oh my gosh, I'm going to try and remember what they were. It was like feature detection, trying to figure out like roughly the shape of the hand in front of you. Um, like, are there sort of like finger bits sticking up or not? Mm-hmm. Um, no, nah, I don't remember what all the phases were. Anyway, there were sort of like three <laughs> steps to it. Yeah. Um, and because we were at Microsoft and we have, uh, MSR, Microsoft Research, which yeah. is this whole section of the company whose whole job it is, is to like explore and like invent and like make cool tech, but not productize it necessarily. Yeah. Um, we had access to a whole bunch of like computer vision libraries. Ooh. And so I could just okay. get, I just got an MSR library that did mm-hmm. feature extraction, I think was like nice. one of the steps. Um, and there was another piece that was like a whole bunch of math for like K cluster something or k-means clustering yeah that that sounds like yeah yes (laughs) um that i didn't have to write that from scratch because we had another library to do that and there was like a third piece that machine learning libraries yeah um and so that was actually a super fast prototype because it was pretty much just like plugging these three three or four things together yeah and then spitting out the result and then seeing how could we actually put that into a game or not yeah um because like what's the point like a, if it's internal MSR tech, like we might be able to ship it anyway because it mm-hmm. is ours. Um, and if not, like you can go back and rewrite it and productize it if mm-hmm. you've discovered that it's a good interaction and you actually want to ship it. Yeah. But there's no point like over engineering being like, all right, I better yeah. like. You don't need to worry uh, if it's scalable or if it yeah, works on. Ex- exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. If it's going to be garbage anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of the stuff in the beginning was. Um, just seeing what we could build and what would be fun and knowing that like more platform stuff was going to come online. So I think even at that point, like we knew that we were probably going to have a depth sensor. Mm -hmm. And so it was unlikely that something that like a junior engineer who's worked at the company for like a month is going to write like the like (laughs) hand open, closed detection that we're going to like ship on the HoloLens. Like probably not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Probably (laughs) not going to happen. Um, But instead of sitting around waiting being like, Oh, well we think platform is going to give this to us like six months from now. Yeah. What can we cobble together to just like get something to get mm-hmm. a feel for what kind of interactions feel good in our app? Mm-hmm. And what can we learn that we can give as feedback to platform about 
what kind of features we want. Yeah. It's like, that was a fun part of it too, was getting to influence like when platforms like, what do you want us to build? Like what kind of interactions do you want? Mm-hmm. Cause you look at stuff like, uh, in pop culture, like Minority Report or like Iron Man and people interacting with holograms and they're pew pew and they're like, I'm gesticulating <laughs> wildly right now, which yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. nobody can see, but uh, it looks super cool. And then you yeah. try to actually do that and you're like, my arms are tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like a big muscly swipe of Tom Cruise being like, this is where we're going. Yeah. 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 That if like, that's fine for like a 30 second, you're just like doing one search query or whatever. Yeah. But if you're like sitting at your desk for like eight hours trying to actually, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> has, has anyone got like actually been using um, AR as or, or VR, I guess you could do either um, to do like their day to day work in CAD, like where you are literally using gesture recognition. Design. To do sculpting and like rotating the model and scaling things and doing the same things that you would do with a mouse or like a Wacom tablet or anything like that, but yeah. with gestures in VR. I know uh, Microsoft has partnerships with a bunch of like architectural firms and like yeah. design firms uh, where they've made prototypes and demos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much those companies have integrated that into their like day to day workflow. Yeah. And I, and as part of that, I don't know, is it like, oh, it's something I do like once a day or once a week? Or is it like, no, this is part of my iteration loop. Yeah, And like- I'm doing this like every hour. <laughs> I'm like, you know, yeah. I, I'd i be amazed if anyone is really in any kind of HMD on the market right now for mm-hmm. eight hours a day every day. Yeah. Um, just like physically, that's that's pretty hard, I would imagine. Yeah, I, like, uh, I've definitely heard some artists doing a lot of work in their headset mm-hmm. with like tilt brush and, mm. and those kinds of tools. But those, that's not gesture recognition, right? Like you still have some fatigue though that like <coughs> if you're even yeah even with like the tracked controllers yeah it's just like yeah. holding your arms up to do stuff yeah you i just want to know if we're like at the point yet of being of like seeing like upper body just built architects because yeah. <laughs> they're just sitting there like swinging their arms around i know day. if i ever get ripped it's gonna be from beat saber oh gosh i don't know if you guys have already talked at length about beat saber and how fucking amazing it is no we actually no, haven't at all oh my goodness <laughs> oh my goodness uh i'm obsessed it's so good do you do like wrist weights or ankle weights or anything like that yet no oh i should God, though do people do that my friend sage has done it a couple times and he he swears he's like that's How a great advanced. workout yeah <laughs> i i gotta get a like Level washable <laughs> face cover for my oh. quest oh, first yeah. though Ew, because yeah, so usually gross. i stop because it gets too fogged up and like mm. i can't see anymore because it's a workout you get yeah and you get more points for like the the larger angle of like slicing through the through the blocks oh really yeah i didn't know they incentivized yeah. you to like move more i've yeah because i see most people they'll play and they're just kind of like doing like very very right. light movements and when i do it i'm like i'm chopping with yeah, lightsabers that's how I play it. yeah through, but you get <laughs> through walls but yeah you get they incentivize that because you get more mm-hmm. points to do it that way which is yeah we learned that i did mm-hmm. it with my family and by the way in case anyone doesn't know what beat saber is it's a it's basically a rhythm game where you have saber lightsabers in your hands and you're trying to hit boxes on a certain rhythm in a certain designated yeah, angle. Yeah, it's like Guitar Hero for VR with lightsabers. Right. Right. Yeah. And every so many people love it. My mom loves it. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I brought my Quest home. I was just on a trip back home to visit my parents this past week, uh, and I brought my Quest home to show them Rec Room. Yeah. Uh, but when I was trying to decide, like, how do I show them VR for the first time? Mm-hmm. As much as I love Rec Room, it's like a much 
bigger, broader, like deeper kind of thing. Beat Saber is like very easy to explain. It is very well it's done. It's a good gateway. Straightforward it's a to super, get. It's, yeah, it's su- super easy to explain yeah. what the premise is, how to interact with it. Their tutorial is really well done. Yeah. Um, it's really fun to watch if you can stream, um, if you have a way to like mirror yeah. um, mm-hmm. what the person in the headset is seeing. It's yeah. like fun. I've been to parties where we have like Beat Saber Somebody's on. just always playing Beat Saber yeah. in the background. <laughs> I, I was at a party the other week. Uh, a good friend of mine just turned 30 and her birthday party was I would describe it as intensely Star Wars themed. It was amazing. It was like so many decorations, a whole table of like themed Star Wars mm-hmm. food. It was fantastic. And then a whole room, a whole bedroom of the house was uh, marked as Jedi training. Oh, and it was just awesome. uh, Beat Saber in there. It was awesome. Um, that's cool. But they even yeah. have like a party mode. Do yeah, you, and you can you can so that it tracks your score, and then the next person that goes in, so you can get even more competitive oh, with your friends and family. Compete directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I got I got yeah. my dad to try it, uh, and I figured he would play like one or two songs, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I turned on like no fail. You can there's a bunch of settings you can do to make it easier and like so turn you just off keep obstacles going and stuff. Regardless of how yeah, bad because, you're doing. Well, it's like the first time you're playing, and if you haven't played much games much or like VR much you know you just want people to have a good time Um, he did not need no fail because he like crushed it and like Mm -hmm. without me telling him he starts like dialing up the difficulty and he's like playing on hard and just like swinging around going crazy this is awesome for for some experiences like that where it's very much it's not even so much that you need to master certain buttons Mm -hmm. on controllers it's very much about the movement Mm -hmm. in the environment does it seem like people grasp that uh, much more quickly than a traditional game experience where you have to move around purely with joysticks and buttons. I think so. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the experience I went through showing my parents rec room for the first time. Yeah. Uh, any experience where you have a bunch of buttons, even where you're pressing one button, yeah. even if you think like it's really simple, just press this one button, the controllers, really any modern controller has a ton of buttons They're on it. pretty complex for and someone that's never... I was struggling to explain like, okay, so to teleport, you press the top button on the top of the controller not the bottom button on the top of the controller and to pick something up you press like the one that's under your middle finger but oh no you've now moved your middle finger off of that button so it's like the one it's like it's hard to explain versus like just put this in your hand and swing yeah it just moves like such a good yeah yeah, gateway vr game yeah totally yeah people grasp it like super quick it's awesome i've also seen though a bit of an opposite effect where people forget for instance, that they can walk or mm. or or lean in to look at something closer, or lean over yeah. something, mm-hmm. and so it seems like there would be this balance between some of that will just take time, but a lot of people forget that you can just do the things you do yeah. in real life, and mm. they become so accustomed to buttons and keys. Yeah, yeah like if you're overtrained on traditional video game right. interface, it's so tr- like so. Uh, in Rec Room, one of the things we have is paintball. Yeah. Uh, where you're like running around shooting people with a with a paintball gun, and you can crouch, and people ask like, "Oh, what button do I press to crouch?" It's like, "Well, you just crouch with your legs. Like, you just <laughs> you yeah. just move your yeah. Up and down. <laughs> yeah. You just squat with your body." <laughs> like, so how do I squat? You're trying you to hit the joist. Yeah. into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. Okay, and I do want to come back to rec room and explain what rec room is to everyone, but we're gonna get there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so going back to the hand gesturing and all that stuff. So you must have run into that a lot were you part of figuring out which gestures you should do did you have a lot of input in that or were you more just executing what someone else was saying the gestures should be we so we were experimenting with what we thought would make sense with our apps and so early on it was 
trying a bunch of stuff and even like paper prototyping Mm -hmm. we would do for one of the games we worked on we bought a bunch of like toys at the dollar store and had people run through like imagine you're interacting by doing this just to see what would feel good potentially um or just what kinds of movements they naturally yeah yeah yeah. um and then we would kind of submit that feedback to the platform team who were responsible for actually implementing gesture yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so then you were doing lots of user testing with like real people um, pe- in order well, to figure out. So that's that's an interesting digression. So <laughs> stop me if this is like going no, too far off track. No, no, no. Um, I'd love to dig into this. That's one of the things. Oh, man. User testing. So that's one of the things that's super hard about working on a unannounced project yeah so and also in a remote office um so for a lot of that testing it was really just other people on the team which is not a representative sample of like random humans who've never used vr (laughs) they just hire one person who sits there and doesn't have any clue yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. like your job is to be dumb about what we're doing and then we're just gonna (laughs) test it with you yeah I mean, I know you're joking, but we kind of used our receptionist for that a little bit. Yeah. That, like, oh, that her yeah, yeah. her yeah. Uh, desk was outside of the main office. Okay, and so yeah. we would try when we were making new stuff to isolate her from it until yeah. we were at the point where like, we need someone who's like at least a little bit fresh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be able to try this out. Um, it was better once I moved down to, to Redmond where, because mm-hmm. Microsoft has a ton of like user research and user testing, like infrastructure for stuff. It's yeah, because they've been doing this for years. Totally. Right? Um, but yeah, it's hard when you have unannounced stuff yeah. um, that the secrecy is a lot harder. And they have did, some ways to do it. Yeah. How do uh, they manage that? Yeah. Because I mean, that's a problem that everyone would run across when yeah, you're developing a new product. Yeah. It's a good question. Part of it is like if your org is big enough, you can at least get people who aren't on your direct team which again is yeah. not as good as random people off the street yeah it's not as good of a sample size or yeah yeah, yeah. but um i imagine there were parts of it because i only worked on like one quarter of it so i can't mm-hmm. speak for all of it i'm sure there must have been parts that were testing things on random people yeah but in in my corner where we're just like okay we're like prototyping this game like let's see if this feels good mm-hmm. um at that point we didn't really have access to people outside of our org yeah. Which is challenging, especially when uh, you're working on something that, like, maybe people who are more prone to motion sickness are more sensitive Oof. to or not. Yep. Um, because some of that stuff, for some people, they can get used to it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, yeah, we have we have folks uh, on my team at Rec Room who cannot do um, called smooth locomotion, like uh, Where we you call turn it walking. Off the teleporting. Yeah. So yeah. instead of so in, in Rec Room, there's two ways to move around in VR. One of them is teleporting, which is uh-huh. like um, pretty standard. A lot of VR apps have it and had it sort of from the beginning yeah. um, that you press a button and you hold it down. Typically, there's like a beam kind of showing you like where you're going to teleport you're gonna to. Hop to that little. Yeah. Spot you like aim where you're going to go exactly. And then you like appear in that spot. Yeah. Um, but Rec Room and a, and a bunch of other games have um, a walking mode where it's more like a traditional video game where you just push on one of the joysticks and your your avatar just moves smoothly through space. Yeah. And I remember the first time I tried that when I started on Rec Room, it made me feel terrible. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like you, it's like regular video games in a way. But right? your but your brain thinks that you are like standing up and uh, in this space. It's confusing because yeah. your brain is getting all these mixed signals. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. it's like it's part of it's. I think similar to being carsick, where like yeah. your your brain is getting signals about like, am I moving? Am I accelerating? Or on a boat in the water, yeah. it's like you, you're like I'm on a level platform, but I still feel the ground moving. What it, like my inner ear is, yeah. is yeah. off balance. Yeah. What's going on? Um, and for some of these things, and for for some people, they can get used to it. Like yeah. I got used to the walking mechanic 
pretty quickly and mm. I vastly prefer it now. Like it drives me nuts teleporting. There were a couple of people in recommend rec room earlier that were saying that they're like, hey, it's way easier. Just turn it on. Yeah. I misunderstood. I thought that the walking mechanic was like, you have to have like room scale. You can walk uh, around. So everybody can room scale walk mm -hmm. um, with whatever space they happen uh, to have. Yeah. Assuming they have um, room scale turned on for yeah. their whatever device yeah, yeah, they're yeah, using. Yeah. Um, but when in, in rec room players say walking, mm -hmm. what they mean is uh, as opposed to teleporting. Yeah. It's like using the joystick to, to move around. I yeah. get it now. I yeah. didn't know that either. So there's a we we should explain a couple things here because rec room has come up too much that we, yeah, we now we need to explain what that is it, yeah. and then also like room scale versus uh, teleportation mm -hmm. versus uh, like the smooth movement right so uh, talk about let's talk about this ladder or. first because then because that'll be a quick ex explanation and then we'll get into rec room you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying mm -hmm. um, oh yeah do you right, want right. to talk about it? like so so what is well correct me if I'm wrong because I think I've got the idea now of the difference between the three smooth motion is like what you would experience in a normal video game where you have a joystick mm -hmm. and you just move your character forward the difference being that in vr your inner ear and your brain feels like you are standing in a physical space um in three dimensions so you're not just looking through a window while you move you are smoothly moving forward which can make some people very motion sick yeah uh and then the teleportation you are pointing a controller usually out into a particular part of the room and telling your character to just blink out of the place that you're in right now and appear and then place over there. Mm -hmm. There's no movement. You just, you're always at the center of the scene. Yep. Right. And then what was the uh, room third? scale, room scale, room scale, right? You're actually like you are in a space that you've mapped out in VR and you're able to kind of walk around within those bounds. Yeah. Physically with your own. Yeah. Body. With your own feet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which obviously is the most natural way to do it, but you, nobody has infinite space to walk right. around like that. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. most of them, wouldn't they automatically be room scale? Uh, it depends. If so, like I know with the quest, for example, when you're setting it up and mm -hmm. you're defining what is the boundary of my play space, mm -hmm. yeah. you have the option to say, and I think they all use different terminology, I think, but they'll say like seated, a seated experience, which I think assumes you're not going to be standing up and moving around. Yeah, right? I think you like still have positional chair. tracking. So I think it still means like if you f move your head yeah. for, and now I'm moving on the bike. And, Depth wise, like yeah. if you move uh, forward or backwards with your yeah. head. Yeah. Um, I think you still have positional tracking. It's not like you are suddenly back to three off instead of six off. Right. Um, DOF. Uh, degrees yes. of freedom. De degrees yes. of freedom. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's totally fine. I mean, m most people probably listening will know, but, you know, we just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, degrees of freedom is just how much you can move your head around yeah so sideways and forward and back basically so yeah, yeah three yeah. degrees of freedom is like if you're on if you've ever done like google cardboard mm -hmm. where you can rotate your head in three degrees yeah, um but like moving your head like translating your head doesn't mm -hmm. actually move the the camera the scene the, will move, move with view. you rather than you will move through the scene yeah exactly. like you'll lean yeah. forward and in the experience it's not gonna detect yeah, right. that you're leaning right anywhere. yeah um, so I have seen that they've updated these headsets to be like, are you sitting? Cause it didn't used to be that way. It used to just be like, map out your room, map mm -hmm. out your, your guardian, essentially. What's, you know, what are your boundaries guardian. in this oh, room? Guardian is like your, your, your spatial cage basically. Right. And then a lot of the time, if I was just working at my computer doing something, I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. And I would just like bypass it or mm -hmm. something. And now they have that setting option. So that is curious. I didn't know. 
that that was what it was about. Okay. Anyways, so so we defined all of those things. So let's talk about yeah. let let's let's talk about rec room for a second. I do want to come back to kind of the history of getting in there, but since it's just going to come up naturally, um, so I guess I, do you want to describe what rec room is for us? Yeah, uh, it's a cross platform virtual social club where you can create and play games with your friends. Ah, mm. that is nice and concise. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get the <laughs> I wanted to get the spiel right because I feel like it captures what we think of as our differentiators relative yeah. to some other kind of like similar um, kind of apps and games in the in the yeah. space. Um, so we think being cross platform is super important. So we're cross plat on VR headsets, so you can mm-hmm. play on the Rift, on the Quest, on the Vive, on PSVR. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also play without a headset, so you can play on PS4. Uh, just yeah. in screen mode. People can have a window into the experience of yeah. what other people are doing. Exactly. Um, and then we're in the process of launching on iOS. So we're in yeah. a beta on, on iOS right now. Yeah. Okay. So in case anyone has listened to a previous podcast that we recorded an episode, it was with Altspace, which is also a similar uh, type of application for reference. Yeah. Um, but so rec room, can you say the the things that you said? What were the what was the list of the things? <laughs> yeah. So it's a cross platform virtual yeah. social club. So it being cross platform is a really oh, big right. thing for us. Yeah. And yeah. then the other piece of it is where you can create and play games with your friends. Right. And that creation piece yeah. uh, is really important for us. Mm-hmm. So when you want to make things for rec room, all of our creation is inside of the game. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need to go and download some other tool. You don't need to learn some external thing. Mm-hmm. Everything is in rec room mm-hmm. uh, and it's all multiplayer. It's all collaborative. Yep. So if we wanted to build something, we could all just jump into a room together. I could be on um, a quest. You could be on PlayStation. You could be on your phone um, and we could yeah. all be creating together in real yeah. time. And then there's not even a sharp separation between building and play. We don't have like a play mode versus build mode. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just you're just always in rec room doing doing stuff. Yeah, it's all kind it's of a fluid. seamless sort yeah. of experience yep. of like here's this tool. I'm going to I was in the lobby talking to people just a second ago and now I'm just going to start like making this thing. Yeah. that could turn into a whole mansion experience with right. like game logic and interaction. It was we we were just looking through this and and kind of digging into a few different elements of rec room earlier and mm-hmm. yeah I showed was... Jay because you gave me a bit of a a walkthrough and so I did that for Jay but we explored more because you and mm-hmm. I were basically cut off but uh but so we played around I'm trying to think what we did oh well Jay did a oh, a, yeah. a, a quest <laughs> oh yeah. yeah how did that go. Um, so it, that was fun. I, I went swashbuckling with a few Ooh, other players. You did Isle of Lost Skulls. I did do Isle yeah. of Lost Skulls. Our pirate themed quest. He was stuck in the <laughs> tiniest room. Like I shoved him into my tiny, tiny office, which is like a vice. <laughs> and they're like trying to make him do all these crazy things. But like um, swinging swords and stuff at these yeah, skeletons. Yeah, yeah. Like, please don't break any of my expensive equipment. But also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for for some for some context. So in rec room we have what we called Rec Room Originals, which are Mm -hmm. games that we as a company have made. Um, And there's, I think, five of them, uh, which are confusingly called quests. The number of times at work where someone says like, oh, we need to do blah, blah, blah for quest. Mm -hmm. And it's like ambiguous. Do you mean a Rec Room quest or the Oculus quest? Yeah, the headset. headset. (laughs) Uh, It's very confusing. Uh, Anyway. um, Or now for Reality Quest. Or for Reality Quest. Oh, my God. It's all quest all the time. (laughs) 
Um, it's like connect at Microsoft. There's like seven different things. That, yeah. Well, you always think somebody's saying, yeah, that's so right. Yeah. Like you're like, are you saying connect or yeah. connect? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So quests are um, some of the Rec Room original content that we've made for players. Okay. Uh, and they're cooperative adventures mm-hmm. where you're going through multiple levels trying to get to sort of a big boss at the at the end. Yeah. Because um, originally when the game launched, it was a bunch of... Um, PvP kind of games like paintball, laser tag, that kind of thing. What does PvP mean? Uh, player versus player. Oh, so it's yeah. like, and maybe you're on a team, Death. but you're like competing against <laughs> other other players. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Whereas the quests are all about being cooperative against the AI. So there's players a bunch of versus the environment. Yeah, or exactly. PVE. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's waves of enemies that you that you're fighting um, mm-hmm. fighting off. So I'm curious for your experience. Did you just meet up with some random folks to play yeah. quest with you? Yeah, yeah. I, I started out in the dorm room and went through the the basic tutorial for it. Um, which it was so funny that we were talking about how people that ever like overly trained on like video game controls mm-hmm. can get tripped up sometimes. Um, but I was I, I did struggle a little bit just figuring out how to do some basic things. Once I got it down, I like moved out into the lobby area. People are throwing random like balls around, <laughs> frisbees flying, and just like running around. Um, and then I ended up just going into the quest and like linking up with a couple other people in there, mm-hmm. and we just jumped into this adventure, like hopping pirate ships and running through like to find treasure. And it was it was fun. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best ways when we look at how people retain and how they have good first experiences in rec room, like one of the best things that can happen. So Jay was mentioning, we have a tutorial when you first spawn, you're in this space called your dorm room, yeah, uh, which is just like your own quiet space to yeah. go through the tutorial. And then it's also where you change your avatar. So it's like where you get dressed for the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you can jump into the rec center, which is this public space where you could be matched into a room with like people from all over the world, totally random people, uh, can be a little bit chaotic. There's often people throwing, there's yeah. basketballs and stuff. And like, well, uh, it's like what you and I had talked about when we were like, it's kind of like going to orientation or like entering into a college, high like school or, or <laughs> high school gym or something. And there's yeah. just like yeah, different exactly. things happening yeah. and different people. And yeah, it felt like walking into the first day of gym class in a new school. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, whoa, there's like people throwing a frisbee over there. And like yeah. those, they're over there like playing ping pong. And then like somebody random like, runs up and like says something and then like darts off in a different yeah. direction and I'm just like I don't know how to move and yeah. do things yeah. who am I it's it's <laughs> overwhelming and we're a lot of what we're working on right now is polishing out that sort of first that first encounter with the app the first 15 minutes of you experiencing yeah. how do we onboard you how do we teach you who you are what to do mm-hmm. um, and striking the balance of because there's a huge list of stuff that we want you to know mm-hmm. right. um, but if you have a tutorial that's like an hour long, people yeah, you are don't not want to inundate people. Yeah, with it. so yeah. it's it's hard to strike that balance. But we're it's yeah. one of the big things that we're working on right now is trying to make that trying that's to make that. Well, I will say it's already it's already great. I mean, like I went because I'm the dumbest of the dumb when it comes to like <laughs> figuring out games. I'm always like, what am I doing? Um, and I get really nervous about it. The one thing I will say that is great. I mean, in any tutorial, you're like. Uh, you're gonna be. You're always and- well, yeah, and and you're 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 always alone. I would say, but what's cool about Rec Room is you're already in the experience. Like you're mm-hmm. in your dorm room, and so you're technically it's like there's a lot of games or other things where it's like oh this video you watch mm-hmm. before you enter the yeah. experience or it puts you in a separate level or something. Yeah, and I love that. that it's all you're already in it basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Uh, like, I feel like if I was able to figure most of the things out, a lot of people can. Um, and then like you and I had talked, I mean, it sounds like it's something you're, you guys are working on, but also what I find fascinating is like you had mentioned the community does a lot of tutorials where they create their own stuff. And I feel like that would be fascinating to go through and see what other people are saying and what you can do Mm -hmm. with the experience. Yeah. We, our community is amazing. And like the amount that they do to teach each other, like their, um, fan wikis and stuff. And like, it has happened multiple times where I forget how to do something in our game, like how to use a specific (laughs) creation tool. And I will, I will just Google it because it is faster to I'll get an answer in a second of like some fan written documentation yeah. or some fan made video. That's awesome. Um, which isn't to say like, we're not throwing away all responsibility of like, Oh, the community, well, they'll just, they'll just figure <laughs> just it out. We don't have to. Yeah. Um, but we have, we're super thankful for them doing a lot of it because yeah. we've been iterating a lot and there's been a lot of churn and like adding new features and stuff. And yeah. so we would love, we have like visions. We're like, Oh, it'd be great to have this like amazing elaborate, in-game tutorial for our creation tools. Mm. But the reality is they're changing and we're adding so much new stuff. That stuff goes stale really fast. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the community is really great at like staying staying on top of it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah. that's like when you build a game that has a really solid modding community around mm-hmm. it, it's really important that just the tool set itself is solid and then people kind of take the reins and run with it yeah. and just start making all of that content that actually keeps people coming back totally. to the experience over time. Yeah, so that's that's a great segue for like contextualizing all the things that you can do in Rec Room. Yeah. So when it yeah. when it first launched, it was kind of like um, kind of like a Wii Sports for VR. There were a bunch of like fun games yeah. you could play, but it was all stuff that that we had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when then, was that? When uh, was three years ago okay. now, I think. Um, so like right after consumer headsets came out? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 2016. In like June, I want to say. I'm going to get that wrong. But I think it was around that time. Yeah. Several years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, gradually over the last couple of years, we've been adding a bunch of tools for players to make their own content and their own Mm -hmm. games. And it's very much not like a weird niche side feature for power users. Yeah. It's very much like a big focus of what we're working on. Yeah. um, And what we see as being important for the future of the app. It's almost core to the the experience. It's like come in play around for a while and then start experimenting with how to make your own things. Yeah. And like in the beginning, the things that people were making were kind of just like slight variations on what we had given them where it's like, okay, we have this paintball game of these paintball maps and they're making a version where they've just tweaked the rules slightly. We would expose like, oh, you can set the like respawn time or something like really, really small things. Um, But we've given them this tool. We call it the maker pen. Uh-huh. And it kind of looks like a giant glue gun yeah. uh, that you hold yeah, in your hand. Yeah. And that's how you make everything in Rec Room. Yeah. So uh, by default, you if you press the trigger on your controller, it uh, spits out a shape. So I think by default, it's in like tube mode. So yeah. you're just drawing yep. this like 3D squiggle. <laughs> and it's, you're, yeah. Cheetos. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty Cheetos. much. Yeah, Cheetos they're default to like, Cheeto color. Yeah, yeah what I was <laughs> attempting to create. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then you can change the shape so you can make cubes, spheres, whatever, a bunch mm-hmm. of primitives, mm-hmm. change the color, change the material. We have materials now. Materials being like a texture or sort of yeah. skin of these different Exactly. Shapes. So is it wood? Is it brick? brick is it yeah. metal? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ooh. and then we've added, um, an interactive piece of it. So we mm-hmm. have, um, what's kind of like a, a visual scripting language. So we have this way, yeah, yeah to, um, call it, um, uh, chips or circuits uh, mm. 
or gizmos or gadgets. We have a lot of words for like the different <laughs> the different pieces. Um, but basically, your maker pen can spawn these things that look like computer chips, mm-hmm. and they have inputs and outputs on them. And you wire them together again using the maker pen mm-hmm. to make interactive stuff. It's like your game logic, exactly. And like yeah. triggers and, and different things. Exactly. Yeah. So then we'll have so trigger cool. zones that you can you can wire up, and people have made insane stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like my favorite category of things people make is escape rooms. That's like a really big thing that people love to make. Um, And we like in the office, we love them. So there's like a couple of creators who are like super good. And anytime they have a new room, there's a few of us in the office who are like, all right, like four o'clock today. (laughs) We're we're getting in there together as a team. We're doing this thing. That's awesome. Um, And it's insane. Like as proud as I am about our tools and the stuff that that we've provided, they're like super basic and we're we're trying to make them better. But honestly, (laughs) like it it is baffling to us like some of the stuff that people make are like wait you made this in our game like you made this with the the super primitive honestly super primitive stuff that we've given you and yet people can make the most elaborate stuff out of it yeah it's bonkers i feel I, i keep on referring to this so much during different episodes but it's kind of like minecraft yeah totally In that it's just blocks and textures and like some very simple logic at the end of the day but people have done the craziest things and everything from building like a 3d printer out of basic right. logic gates in the game right uh, that can 3D print these objects in Minecraft out of blocks <laughs> to building these like crazy like two scale models of cathedrals and just yeah. insane cities and stuff. Yeah. And it's all just tiny little blocks at the end of the day. Yeah. It's so insane. Like to be honest, Gwen, when you told me when you showed me into like there's a space room. So you took me to a museum. So there's a whole art piece to this, right? So I guess just to like come back for a second, it's like if somebody listening has not been in rec room, it's like you enter into your dorm, then you go through the tutorial, you enter into a general room, and from that room, there are doors to other worlds, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you can choose where to go. And like you said, some of that is going to be the um, player versus player stuff or some different sports. Um, and then there's like a whole section that's art and and rooms. What was it? What was it like called? A gallery? Art and- like creative, I think, is one of the categories. So yeah. there's there's sort of two ways to decide where you're going to go in Rec Room. So one of them is like you said, you go to what we call the Rec Center, which is kind of this big hub, this public yeah, yeah, space yeah. where it's like yeah. a little bit chaotic. Right. And there are these <laughs> these doors that you like reach out your VR hand to and you like open them. Yeah. And they take you to yeah one of these categories of, of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a menu that you open by looking at your wrist. You have a virtual mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. You look mm-hmm. at your wrist and it pops up. And there's a whole section of the menu that's just user created content community created yeah. content and that has that you can filter by is it art is it uh, a quest is it oh, an escape room okay. is it whatever there's tons of different yeah. categories mm-hmm. of stuff that, that people have made yeah um so the room that, that you're talking about was um a contest entry so we like doing these these um themed contests okay mm-hmm. uh to encourage our creators to um make great stuff and then we give out prizes based on um who wins in like various categories. Yeah. Um, and this most recent one was time travel themed. And so we had this one room that people made, I think it was a group of like eight players made it Uh together, uh, called museum of time. And you spawn into the room. And first of all, you see this like giant, what looks like a cathedral, uh, that they have made, which again, once you play around with the maker pen and you're like, Oh my gosh, they like made that out of this like glue gun. It's crazy town. Um, so they make this amazing thing. 
but that's just like the opening. So then you go, you like go inside and then you're in this lobby where you see like a giant like dinosaur skeleton like hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then there are four sub rooms that are different like exhibits in the museum. And one of them is uh, space themed, which mm-hmm. is like a close encounter yeah. thing yeah. where you have this like giant spaceship that spawns in the sky and there's like music that's timed with like flashing lights and animation and stuff, which I don't, I think they won the How Did They Do This award for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, or they were at least in the running well, for it truly. because we were like, yeah. I don't understand how. I mean, when you showed me that, I honestly, it's like it didn't even hit me at first because it was so unbelievable when yeah. you're like, yeah, a user created this. And I'm just like, it's just, wait, it's, like, what, what did they create? Though? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> you're hard. like the whole thing. It's like hard to this explain. Entire experience. Yeah. Totally. It's like, and that's why when I showed you, I think I had you like pick up the maker pen and like draw some ex- oh, extrude sure. some, oh, some yeah. shapes yeah. because I was like, <laughs> to kind of set the, the context. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because I did, I showed, I did the same thing with Jay today and yeah. he saw me trying to use the maker pen and it was like, <laughs> I was like, a cylinder. And that <laughs> took me like a pretty. Cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually really proud of making a cylinder. You know, like it is crazy how amazing it feels just, to just yeah, like make something <laughs> and play around with it and then move it around. And I'm like, you're my little cylinder, and I'll put you in the corner. You know, um, but watching it's just crazy to think, like you said, that people are doing that in general, but then also with that tool. Um, and it's honestly, I mean, that experience is just one example. But it was like you're you're going into. I felt like. That in itself was great storytelling in a virtual world, you know? It was like nothing is said. No one else is in the experience. And yet it's this amazing music experience where that, that, you know, I don't want to give away the ending, but. Yeah. But it's it's (laughs) It's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. We're at the point now, too, where like um, players don't have to create that full of an experience totally from scratch that like number one, they can collaborate. So I think for that one, I don't know who worked on like that sub piece of it, the space specific yeah specifically yeah. um but i think it was like eight players for the room overall yeah um and then we have another feature um that, that i help work on that lets people share their work more easily so mm. we have these things called inventions mm-hmm. so mm. the idea is if you've used unity it's kind of like, like a assets. prefab yeah exactly so okay. like it lets people specialize mm-hmm. so if like you are like a narrative designer and you're like i have this idea for this like really cool vr experience mm-hmm. and like Maybe, you know, I'd like to think if you spent enough time, you could learn how to use the maker pen and like do it all from scratch Sculpt if you really wanted to. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're like, I really, that's not what I'm about. Like, I care more about like the narrative piece of it. Yeah. Um, you can team either team up with other players who their expertise is in the pieces that you're missing. Um, or we have a tab in your watch um, where you can download other people's inventions. So again, mm-hmm. kind of like the Unity Asset Store. Yeah. Which are literally like models and like trigger type like logic. Yep. They can have interactive pieces in it. Exactly. That players can just package those up and say like, I just want to share this with the, with the community. Yeah. Um, Currently it's all just for free. People just do it for, you know, out of the, the good of their hearts. They want to share it with the rest of the community. Yeah. Um, But we'd love to get to the point where players have the option if they want to, to charge other players um, tokens are our virtual currency yeah. um, for the use of their inventions mm-hmm. so that they can be more directly rewarded for like building this cool stuff yeah. that can then be used in someone else's room. So if you're like, I'm like a level designer, but I'm not an artist, you can go in the invention store, get a whole bunch of really cool assets mm-hmm. and then focus on doing the level layout as opposed to drawing trees or whatever right. it is. Yeah. yeah. So that is like a real or a, a good sort of segue into some other things that are maybe being worked on right now relating to just building that sort of marketplace. Mm-hmm. 
but before we dive too deep into that, I want to, I want to just hear some of the things that you have been learning through developing this, these experiences and just through the tool set that they're using in game, particularly, um, what I think would be beneficial is just to hear more about what are like lessons that you have learned and sort of insights about getting a new, a new person to jump into a VR experience like that, particularly a social one um, that just make that whole experience a lot more smooth. Yeah. That's a good question. I feel like there's seven different tangents I could go on to answer that. So yeah. this might be somewhat meandering. That's all right. That's um, fine. How do you welcome new people into a social VR experience? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I thinking back to when I tried rec room for the first time, I was surprised that my mic was just on and that when I was I, too today, yeah. I was like, Whoa, wait, that's I was standard? not because I did the entire tutorial. The tutorial that is available now was not, is different from yeah, a, a year I, ago. That's what I figured we, for you, but not for Jay. I figured Jay was like, all right, let's get started. Yeah. I just kind of rushed through it. Back to the trade-off of like, there's all these things that we want to communicate and yeah. like only so many minutes, if not like seconds we have to hook you. Yeah. Um, and it so it be used to be, <laughs> yeah, it used to be, we were optimizing for like, let's just get someone into a game yeah. as fast as possible. Like teach them how to move so they can move around and then throw mm. them into um, paddle ball is one of our games. That's kind of okay. like, kind of like tennis, but with a bigger ball, more like a dodgeball kind of sized ball oh, okay. um, that you're like hitting back and forth to each other. Mm. Um and people, if you like got matched with someone who was often another new user as well, mm -hmm. um, and you could just talk with them immediately because both so you're, of your mics you're pairing are on. novice users together. Yeah, exactly. The, the um, and if those players had a good experience, they were much more likely to to retain to like continue to yeah. to play the game because they're like, oh my gosh, I get it. I've had this delightful. This was fun. This it was fun. <laughs> I met another person. Maybe I friended them, and now I have this friend. Yeah. Um, but we've been iterating on this and i'm sure we will continue to iterate on it of like uh -huh. um that solves like one set of problems but there's mm. you know pointing out that your mic is on is like a critical thing that we should probably share with you before you go into a public space which i think yeah. is part part of the tutorial now although i don't know if it's like a it's required a, step some of them are optional. i probably thought yeah. it was a requirement i'm like i must follow these steps <laughs> before i leave this room but really you don't need to yeah, yeah. i i guess just from other game and interactive experiences that I've been in there. I think I had an assumption that like I would have to activate mm -hmm. my mic or something or do mm -hmm. push a button in order to talk. Yeah. Um, and when I think about it, it, totally makes sense. You're just, you are in this space and you're walking into a room. So if you talk, if you really want this to feel like a real room, right. anybody should be able to hear you say anything you say. Right. Um, but it, it was surprising when I was like, Oh, Oh, I, I was just, Floating and observing because I didn't yeah. realize that I was actually already here and everyone can see and interact with me and oh I mean it's the real thing totally just... and we've definitely we've gotten that feedback and like experienced it ourselves and yeah. so we've it's now part of the tutorial yeah and I feel like we're still deciding like which bits should be required and it feels yeah. like maybe that piece is like we really need to make it clear to people so that they aren't because that's yeah. the kind of thing you don't want to be surprised about for sure yeah like I think it's a good thing as far as like just the way that it changes the sort of interaction dynamic mm -hmm. um, but it was jarring yeah. to, to realize well I think it makes sense that at least 
that's the default in some ways where if the default was muted and people didn't know how to unmute, yeah. then it ruins the entire experience. You just don't have that extent. layer. Right. Like you can't totally. communicate with people, which is the whole point in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that would be the default. That's interesting. Okay. So we, you were saying something though before that, because um, you had started talking about the... Just welcoming a new players right. into welcoming a social experience. New players. Well, that actually that actually makes me think. We'll do tangents on tangents here. So, the the whole mic being on or off thing makes me think like a gamer might know to think about that, or they mm-hmm. might, or people who are experienced might might know these things. So, yeah. Do you do you know who your your users are? Like are they mostly audience. are they mostly gamers or? That's a good question. I'm sure we as a company do pretty well i don't know that i <laughs> personally do off the top of my head yeah that's fine yeah. um i would say probably the majority are gamer i mean i guess it's like who what is a gamer? yeah i was gonna say what are we <laughs> what is that as a what gamer? does that mean i mean i know there's like the the hard medium and then like casual core yeah, <laughs> yeah groups. Which is, oh my gosh all right well let me rephrase the but, question then so what do you or what, okay. <laughs> what do you what do? You want to, what do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> okay, so what do you know about your users now? And you might know maybe less than other people at the company. Maybe it's yeah. like a demographic. Yeah. I don't know if this is verging into like metrics territory where I like can't really share yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. Okay. I'd say like uh, the fact that we're not launched on phones yet means, like, to play our game right now, you either have to own a VR headset okay. um, or you're a PS4 player. Okay. Um, or you can play on Steam or Oculus without a headset. Uh-huh. I don't know why you would be playing on Oculus if you didn't have an Oculus headset to begin with. Like, maybe you're playing on screen mode, but I don't. can you install e- Oculus without a headset to just play... I- screen mode games i don't, I don't know, know why you would seem, do that, that would seem yeah yeah um <laughs> so the pool of people that we are sort of pulling the like potential audience that yeah. we have um i expect would probably identify as gamers yeah. in some sense because they either they own a playstation or they own a vr headset mm-hmm. i think if you if you're opening it up to and you mentioned earlier that it's becoming cross-platform mm-hmm. um even more so now with the yeah. addition of ios um that would seem to open up the potential uh group or demographic of people that could experience and jump in definitely a lot yeah um and makes it a lot more accessible um but i feel like with that comes also uh like a broader range of considerations for what those types of people expect (laughs) i mean even the jump to be on screens at all so it was just like a year ago that we made it so that you could even play at all without a headset yeah and that was um contentious in the community and within the company that like this was you know we were founded as a as a vr VR company uh and we still vr is still super important like and it will continue like that's the most rich experience that you can get definitely um but the reality is like we want as many people as possible to play yeah um and partly because we're a company and we want more users but also like from the player's perspective if i'm if i'm trying to play a multiplayer game like i want more people in the pool of potential players to match with me it's going to be a more 
rich experience like the more players are online and like available to to play with me yeah, and yeah. if you and want I'm, your friend to play with you and they don't have a headset or they don't have access to it at the mm-hmm. moment or whatever yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly also uh, like if you just if you believe this is like a genuinely enjoyable and like enriching experience for people to go through which i don't know i mean i, I only played it for uh like 15 20 25 minutes or so today but mm-hmm. like it was fun um and an interesting way to connect with people so like why wouldn't you want more people to be able to experience that? Definitely. And we want the our creators, so like the users who spend so much time building stuff, mm-hmm. to have a bigger audience too. So yeah. it's not just about like oh, yeah. Rec Room's That's audience. Good, it's like if you yeah. as a creator are spending hours and hours building this amazing escape room or whatever it is, this like art piece that you made, yeah. the more users who play Rec Room, the more users you have experiencing mm-hmm. your content. Yeah, if the experience is your message as like an artist or a creator, you want it to be able to reach as many people yeah. as possible. yeah. Um, but that initial jump to screens, um, came, first of all, it's a question of like, what does this mean for us as a company? But then there's a bunch of like practical concerns. So like, uh, personal space is a big one. So yeah. So (laughs) in, in, uh, other VR games have this, do this notion of like uh, a space bubble that like, if we, you know, if we're playing together in VR, if I get too close to you, Mm -hmm. um, it'll like fade out my avatar, for example. That's what we do in Rec Room that like you can define how big of a bubble you want around yourself. And if I get too close to you. I, my avatar starts to disappear so that mm. I can't harass you by like getting, getting up in your, getting up in your Get face. up in your space. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we found that like in, in VR, people tend to, because there's this like intense sense of presence, uh-huh. people, unless they're intentionally trying to harass each other, yeah. um, they don't unintentionally get too close typically because it feels like you're there and you're standing next to another person. Yeah. And so it feels, feel it feels some awkward. social yeah, tension. Exactly. Of, yeah. Um, but we found that screen players don't feel that same way. Mm. You don't have oh. quite as much, especially our, some of our early iterations on screens were yeah. third person instead of first person mm-hmm. where that was even worse. Where like you, it feels like playing well, a video game. You're even further away you're, from your character. Yeah, exactly. So. And so unintentionally you would get, too up and close to yeah. VR players without realizing that you're like encroaching on their personal space. So that that's a really interesting thing to to point out because one you mentioned earlier that your community when you were first making the decision to start building on screen experiences mm-hmm. for it, um, they had expressed some contention about it. Um, also, when I was thinking about this earlier after going through the experience myself, um, when you play like a traditional MMO or massively multiplayer online game, and usually they're either first person or third person, either way, when it's not in VR, it's not in a headset, you don't feel like you're actually there. So I remember all kinds of instances where like you've got literally 30 different people standing in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares because you're not, you don't feel like you're crowded in with 30 right. people. You're just looking at your character overlapping a bunch of people. It doesn't feel personal. Right. When it happens in VR, it's awful. Yeah. We've had bugs like that before where like everybody spawns on the same spot and it's like and very like, uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, there's limbs everywhere. It's, it's, it feels gross. Well, it was pretty fascinating watching Jay today. Jay was playing me. I, it was oh, my, yes. I, I had put my, I kept my, my avatar as a woman and you know i just kept her little cute little buns in because i actually used to wear bun pigtails when i was younger so that's like the default when you're in it you know and i was like perfect um and uh anyway so i i I kind of made my character look a little bit close to me and i think that a lot of people struggle with that decision sometimes Mm -hmm. if you know what you're getting yourself into um because you want it to be you and you want to feel like you but then 
uh, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into in some situations. Yeah. And so um, it can it's like make if, you feel a little bit more vulnerable. That yeah. Way, well, it's just perhaps. like you have the chance suddenly to design what body you walk around in in the world. Yeah. And it's like maybe you want to be a, a robot so nobody talks to you. Like, <laughs> you know. but um, so anyway, so Jay was 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 my avatar and so he went into the main room and obviously the main the rec room it's just like we were talking about it's just like in high school it's walking like walking into gym when, class yeah walking into gym class it's like <laughs> the the big area where you feel the least confident <laughs> and uh, I am new yeah. human right Hello. and you're yeah and you're trying to find where to go who to talk to and there's always going to be like the bully who's like you know picking Ugh. on the new kid or something right yeah. yeah and so Jay just had I didn't really watch all of it but you had told me afterwards that you experienced some some people kind of coming up a little too close to you yeah it was it was it was literally it was like the first experience that i had when i walked into the the gym or yeah. like you know rec area is some some i don't i mean they sounded like a dude from their voice um and they just like came up like right up in front of me in my space and they were just like come here come here like blah blah some they weren't being like overly lewd with what they were saying or anything, but just but like made you, they it were, was uncomfortable, right? It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. And this was like, whoa, you're in like you're in my space and you're like just being really awkward yeah. about it too. And it's clearly intentional. I'm gonna teleport over there. Okay, you're like coming up. Okay, I'm just gonna like pr- ignore you because this is really like obviously you're just trying to be obnoxious. Yeah. Um so like that is it. It was just good perspective to be in Kelly's avatar yeah. and experience somebody basically doing the whole like I'm gonna go and bully the girl avatar that just showed up. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. What's it feel like, Jay? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I try to be very yeah, sympathetic. Some perspective here. Yeah, I try to be very um, empathetic to that to that experience. Um, so, but it was just enlightening to actually be in that avatar, and then all of a sudden, like I'm in that position. Yeah. Um, which, it's yeah, <laughs> it's a huge problem. I know. Across I'm sure the all board. of yeah. all of the and, companies are dealing with this, yeah. and we we are trying very hard to do what we yeah. what we can to fix it, not to excuse what happened to you. And like, no, I've, no, it, it, when I, I wasn't, when I, su- showed, I wasn't surprised, but I was like, oh, yep, of course this is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's 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 a social difficulty and yeah. challenge to overcome. So, so. One of the goals that we have for the iteration that we're doing on the the first Mm. 15 minutes and like, what is your first experience in Rec Room? One of the explicit goals we have is you do not encounter harassment in your first session. We have not hit that goal, clearly. Uh, Clearly. Um, But it's something we're actively working on. It's really hard. And we're definitely not just saying, oh, it's the internet. People are going to be gross. Like We're like actively trying to figure out how how can we capture the good bits of the Rec Center, which Mm -hmm. is like this more open space where you can move around these doors that like bring you to other worlds mm-hmm. and encountering the good people. So when I, when I look back on the the different people that I brought through rec room for the first time, mm-hmm. sometimes they go into the rec center and they meet someone who says, I want to go through a quest. Will you go through a quest with me? Yeah. And that's, that's amazing where they're like, that person is like teaching them the ropes and yeah. like showing and doing a cooperative experience. That is like the ideal. That's what we want to happen yeah. for yeah. everybody. Uh, but other times, like when I showed my fiance, uh, rec room for the first time uh-huh. and she went in with a female avatar and like yeah. immediately she had someone 
coming up and pouring virtual water like coming on your head and just like water on your head. What? I know it's what? Yeah. really it's yeah. Not. They're water, but there's a vending machine in the rec center. You have bottles you of water and you pour them, water. and it, it makes like a glug 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 sound. And there's like a water I saw particle people effect. And, like at one point pouring out some things and like smashing bottles and I was like you know it's root beer even like a bar fight you can buy there's a whole bunch of virtual food in in rec room so you can buy and it doesn't do anything it's yeah. just like fun just and because it's all um shareable so it's like a yeah. pizza or a box of donuts and you yeah. like when you spawn it it spawns in the room for everybody so people will be like i'm gonna buy a pizza or yeah. like i'm gonna buy a six pack of root beer yeah. and just like throw it out there and then everyone like grabs them and drinks mm-hmm. it and it's satisfying to like smash the bottles right. yeah. on the floor yeah. although it drives me nuts when people like half eat a donut and then like leave the rest on the oh, floor i'm like put it in the, the trash the, with, like, with like two bites animals out of it. yeah <laughs> Um, we, we heard a story. Don't trash the virtual space. <laughs> we, we heard a story about yeah. this group of doctors, surgeons, I think, yeah. who've been using rec room as a virtual meeting space where mm-hmm. they like meet up and they like do some training or like have some meetings together. Yeah. And they have had to make a rule. One of, person on their team had to send out an email saying, you are no longer allowed to bring virtual food to the meetings <laughs> because when you eat a donut in rec room, it plays like a chomp, chomp, chomp sound effect so they're just like, and it was like interrupting <laughs> them like actually trying to have a meeting yeah like for their jobs like for their that day jobs is and awesome. it was like messing up the recording so uh quick side qu- anyway. <laughs> wait quick side question how are, were they having a private meeting yeah so you can do oh, you can have do a meeting, room. meeting yeah oh. so Whoa. i think the rec center is the only place that you can't do a private version of that's like yeah. explicitly like this is the this free is the for open all lobby. like yeah. yeah um but anywhere else so your dorm room is private by default right um but you can invite friends to come and join you there if you right, if you right. want yeah. and mm-hmm. then anywhere else so any of the rec room original games uh you can there's like a menu you can go into instead of like clicking on the the room directly there's kind of like a sub menu you can go to and there's like a button that will send you to a private version yeah. and you can then either play by yourself or uh, invite specifically friends that you want to to come with you. Okay. okay. That makes sense. So I find this all fascinating going back to the, the dealing with harassers and whatever, and also related to what is the first experience that people have? Yeah. Because the more I think about this, the more I'm like, you guys are creating literally a new world. Yeah. And you're, and what's weird about like, we don't know lots of us, don't can admit like we don't know what was the creation of this world and how things started like how rules got developed and Mm -hmm. how etiquette got developed and like what was okay and what was not okay yeah yeah and how that started Mm -hmm. and how it changed over time because obviously that's a philosophical question that comes back to like do you think people are innately good innately bad like should you know morals or should you be taught morals yada Mm -hmm. yada um but so so you're dealing with that and also with people who already have a world with sort of established rules. Yeah. And some of those people might even be fine in the normal world and looking to like let go and experiment because they fucking can. Feel yeah. a little bit more. In that world. Yeah. In, like they can smash root beer bottles. Yeah. And they can um, make fun of someone and, you know, or, or bother someone or whatever it is and not have any real repercussions. Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting battle that everyone's on, which is how do you 
develop a world like it is how do you develop <laughs> rules and because obviously you guys do have you guys have a certain uh, set of rules yeah we have a people- code of conduct and like yeah. mm-hmm. harassment of any kind is explicitly not allowed right yeah. um and it's a uh, we need to work on our moderation to scale that up yeah. that like if that kind of harassment like what was happening to you in the rec center that yeah. is like very much against our rules yeah um and so we need to make it clearer to you as a player like what tools you have to report players mm-hmm. who are you know, harassing you to like block them, ban yeah. them, whatever. Um, that that's a really good um, train of thought on just the problem that when you're in like a forum on the internet, like yeah. just on your computer, it's like you can run into trolls and stuff there, and people feel completely uninhibited to just be as ferocious or whatever as they want in the worst parts of the internet. But you can like step away from it easily, and there's something about being in that sort of present space uh in like in these virtual spaces where you just feel a lot more vulnerable right there yeah it's like the downside of being more immersed it feels more real yeah it's like the good stuff feels better but the bad stuff feels just worse (laughs) yeah totally yeah and so i we're just i think the problem is that we're just running into the same problems we have in the real world yeah which developed culture over a very long period of time and in very complex ways and now you're you're like engineering a new world right but you have to figure out how to build all these incentives yeah Yeah. one of the one of the analogies that we've we've used internally is thinking about public spaces as like malls and yeah. private spaces as like house parties, if that makes sense. <laughs> so like uh, we have explicit rules for what's allowed in the rec center and these like public spaces where, yeah. you know, no no sexual content, for example. Yeah. Um, but if you want to have a private room where you want to do, do whatever some, you want, do, do whatever you want. <laughs> Um, that's totally fine. Yeah. Right. That's totally fine. It's like up to you then. That's like your own space. Like and you're you in your house. You're in you your house. Exactly. It's like up you to want. you. Yeah. Um, now if you make your house party public and that house party is now a white supremacist rally, like that's not okay. <laughs> so it's not like a total wow. free for all. It's not yeah. a total like, you know, public is strict and literally anything goes yeah. private. So there's like a little bit of a kind of a gray area where like if it yeah anything we consider like the names of rooms or like the names of events or like uh any of that to be public uh-huh. and so we we try to moderate that mm-hmm. um and the challenge is really scaling that moderation as our community grows yeah so like going back to you made an earlier point about like as we expand to ios and that's like a really big You're user base inviting in a whole new community of people yeah broader it's like People who are interacting in a different way than our original VR users are, yeah. um, but also potentially the scale of them is like there's just a larger pool of iPhones than there is of yeah. VR headsets in the market right and now. And all those people that aren't in VR don't have the same sense of like presence as right. people that are. So like there's a bit of a power uh, imbalance there as far as what you can feel comfortable with and do, even if you're making other people that feel more present very uncomfortable and yeah. you don't even know. Yeah. yeah. So I think what we're it think we're trying to do i think we feel pretty strongly that our code of conduct matches the tone that we want to have for rec room yeah and the challenge is enforcing it consistently mm-hmm. across you know an expanding user base yeah and we do have we have plans for like the fact that you get thrown into the rec center pretty quickly and that's pretty much a free-for-all uh-huh. is not like maybe you'll have a good experience and maybe you won't um and so we we're we're talking about these plans to have a a version of the rec center that's more like a welcome center Mm -hmm. where it's more like much more heavily 
moderated. And so you have yeah. a better chance of you as ease are not experiencing harassment and then seeing an example of the standard of like, this is how we want you to behave yeah, in our app. teach them the bar, the expectations up front. Yeah. Then... It's like the classroom, you know, because if you are in a classroom, you have the teacher there. Yeah. People are generally on their better behavior. We all know <laughs> that everyone was not, but yeah. Uh, but you have it's like this is how one should behave this is like a safe space where we can learn and interact mm -hmm. but then you'd be like unleashed into the cafeteria and you're like ah you know like <laughs> people are throwing food and totally root beer bottles i mean it's yeah. very much it's very much not unlike the real world obviously yeah. you know yeah. um yeah. and i wonder do you do your users help enforce code of conduct yeah because, definitely because obviously they can do like you said there are ways yeah, that you can moderation. deal yeah. with them but well i'm thinking yeah like in yeah. the real world what moderates people there are teachers there are hall monitors there are all these things but then there's a lot social of it is pressure. just the people it's the social pressure yeah. to totally. do better yeah. yeah so every user has the ability to individually block other users or just uh -huh. mute other users but then they can also report them mm -hmm. uh and then there's a bunch of report categories that are like which part of the code of conduct did this person violate yeah mm -hmm. and so we rely a lot on players reporting other bad actors mm -hmm. yeah um we want to make those tools better so that it's yeah. easier we want that to be more of the tutorial mm -hmm. i think uh i don't remember with the latest iteration if that's one of the um little tutorial beats that you click on if we like mm -hmm. explain how to do that um because we would love for every user who comes into rec room to understand that that's mm -hmm. like a really important thing yeah. to know yeah. but it's it's back to that balance of like how much can we realistically expect you to take in before you're just like eh, this is too much and you yeah. just like don't even bother in the yeah. first place yeah. um we've also been talking about so when we first launched on screens about a year ago we talked a lot about the idea of uh, we were calling it a one big happy family this <laughs> idea that like Okay, some people are playing in VR, some people are playing in screens, mm -hmm. but really for most players, like for me, definitely, I care more about playing with other people than I do about how those other people are playing. Yeah. Uh, specifically, like if I want to get in there and play paintball, I don't really care if the people I'm playing against are in VR or not. Yeah. I just want there to be more people so that I can matchmake into a good game and have fun. Yeah. Um, and so we were trying to increase the sentiment of like, let's not have this big divide of like screens versus VR. Mm -hmm. um, let's just be one big happy family or or walk versus teleport. That's another divide like among our VR players. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. That for a while we were keeping some of our modes separate that it was only walk against walk and teleport versus teleport. Oh, um, okay. But the reality is like at that point, uh, our user numbers, it's just the matchmaking pool wasn't big enough. It just like wasn't yeah. feasible. It's like, if you wanted that split, you would be sitting kind of forever waiting for, especially we have like a no battle royale a mode. Experience for, yeah. yeah. Our battle royale mode needs like, I think 18 players Oh wow! and waiting. Okay. If you were like a, a VR teleport player, uh -huh. it was just, you were going to wait. Too long for to, hours you're like there yeah there. i mean I don't, I don't know that it was that bad but like <laughs> yeah. too long for it to be good so anyway yeah. it was this this idea of like let's just you know let's we're gonna try really hard to balance the controls mm -hmm. so that one is not overpowered over the other and we're all just gonna like play together yeah um we still love that sentiment but now that our community is getting bigger and bigger the reality that like all of these people are going to be one big happy family is like a little bit of a stretch. So <laughs> now we're again, talking. Yeah. Once again, like the real world. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So now we're talking about many big happy families. Uh, <laughs> so many. A happy, whole village you know, of happy families. Which, so many yeah, happy exactly. families. 
And as you know, with families, some people aren't very happy in that. Yeah. Yeah. Rivalries. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, we still don't, you know, want to split super, super fine, mm-hmm. you know, so that, yeah, only VR teleport juniors are playing as VR teleport juniors or whatever. Yeah. Um, we still want people to make friends and play with different platforms or whatever. There's a, a balance to the level of granularity. Yeah. That you want to actually yeah. group people together. Um, but the things that people want to do in Rec Room are, are really different. So, like, there are folks who are like... I only play in VR. I only yeah. play paintball and like that is my jam and I just want to play paintball <laughs> all the time. And then there are other people who are like, I'll play on whatever platform. I don't care. I just want to try all the new UGC stuff and just like see what other players what are making. What is UGC? Uh, that's the user generated content. Oh, So that's oh, gotcha. the community created yes. Uh, yes. content. Yeah. User generated content. Um, so we want to do more to group people by those interests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of like getting thrown into a random rec center with totally random people, mm-hmm. there's like a creator's clubhouse or like a paintball clubhouse, or like a so PVP like clubhouse or something. Interests yeah. or interest groups rather than yeah. specifically like control specific or platform specific. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we've been thinking about. Um, yeah. We're not at that point where it works that way yet. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely one of the the growing pains. Like as we're, uh, there's all this great stuff that comes with having more players, but mm-hmm. yes, definitely lots of challenges and we're trying to figure out what is the right way to get people playing together in a way where they're still happy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it that makes me think about the the beginning of this all because at the more I learn about Rec Room and experience it for myself, like you said, there there are so many different things you can do in it. And for me personally, I'm actually probably more interested in something like the the user-generated content and going and experiencing those crazy, amazing things people create mm-hmm. than I am in playing paintball, though I might end up liking paintball if I found the right group of friends to play it with. Like, yeah. Again, sure. it comes yeah. down to like being shy about stuff. And one of the reasons I liked doing something like that museum piece is I was by myself or it was a private room or a yeah. private experience. And so there wasn't that pressure. Um, but when when this all started, you had mentioned in the beginning it was more like sports oriented and everything. Mm-hmm. And so what do you know about the general feeling of rec room, like the people creating it and like where is where is this all going? Because you could end up doing so many things and then I mean like we've already said it's creating a world and then you have you have to find groups that have similar interests and it's mm-hmm. like it could just keep expanding and expanding and expanding. Yeah. We definitely want it to keep expanding. So if you look at I guess to start like the rec room original content that we've made. So even that we were expanding to not just be PvP to have like co-op adventure quests. Yeah. Um and then we added more kind of like low-key chill activities like we have bowling now. Where half of that is about like going to the concession stand and buying pretzels uh, and just kind of like hanging out uh, as opposed to like actually playing bowling. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, that was important to us as a team that like we have a bunch of different backgrounds on the team. And there are some people who enjoy PvP more than others. There are some people who yeah. are like, I just want to play escape rooms. Like that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, in terms of enabling our community to do stuff, like we want them to be able to do whatever the heck they want. Like yeah. really... Like we have people doing comedy shows. We have people just making art pieces. We have uh, people doing paintball leagues that they're not even like making rooms necessarily. They're just like adding organization on top of the stuff that we've, we've already built. Um, And yet back to your question about like, uh, are like, what are the demographics of rec room and like, are they gamers? 
Mm. Um, I would love for more, like I'm sure the whole team would love for more people who don't consider themselves gamers to play. Totally. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite examples of something in Rec Room is we have an acting troupe called the Orange Bucket Acting Troupe yeah. <laughs> uh, that put on uh, a version of the Princess Bride inside of Rec Room that was like an hour and a half long. It was amazing. Uh, and they they held auditions in the game. They had actors from, I think, all over the world. They rehearsed in the game for like months and months. And then they put on like multiple presentations where they would oh, so put cool. on these events and like I people would RCP. Um, and they did a private showing for for our team, which was, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, and all of us in the office are like in our headsets. Yeah. And then we're all together in this virtual auditorium, sitting in these virtual seats, yeah. watching this play together and like <laughs> laughing at it because it's hilarious. Um, not really being able to clap. That was like a little bit weird because oh. we don't we don't have like a clapping mechanism because yeah. like, you have virtual hands. I think we tried it at one point, but it would like get triggered accidentally a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, so we were kind of just like slapping our legs yeah. and stuff, hoping that our mics <laughs> would like would would pick it up. Just doing um, like finger pointers in the air. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it felt like I was watching a play. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I actually I had to leave early, unfortunately, that day. And I take off my headset and it was super surreal. Like it's yeah. already weird a lot of the time if you're in VR for, for a little while. For a little while and you take it off and you're like, oh, I'm like back in the real world. Yeah. Um, but this is crazy because I'd been in there for like over an hour. I take the headset off. Like you woke and, up. Yeah, well, but I went from like all of my coworkers sitting next to me laughing in this loud, like in a performance hall, like, like an auditorium, to like I take my headset off to like silence, mm -hmm. and I like look around the room and everyone's sitting in their headsets, like silent and still, and then would suddenly all in unison burn out, burst out in laugh in laughter, and then like go silent, and then like burst out laughing yeah. again and go silent. It was it's like, like a weird version of the Matrix. The yeah. 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 You just see a bunch of people sitting around in these chairs with the plugs. In the yeah. 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 Which, totally. It makes me think of that, that picture that goes around on the time of like Mark Zuckerberg walking down. It's like a, a shot of, I don't know if it was There's like an Oculus. There's a bunch of people behind him. Yeah. And... Who are all in headsets kind of like looking like oh, yeah. dazed kind of like in their headsets <laughs> and Mark walking by and like people think that that's a really creepy picture. And yeah. like. I guess it kind of is, but it I don't is know. From the it, outside. it is from the outside. That's the thing. It's like you don't, it looks weird from the outside, yeah. but it is amazing. Like when I was in there, I was not a drooling, like sitting on my, yeah. I, I don't know what people are imagining is well, happening, but like I was at a play, like I was attending a play. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I'm actually thinking about that now as if when you're sleeping, people look super awkward all the time. Yeah. Like you could be in the weirdest position or like drooling on yourself and like, Obviously, it looks like that person is completely mentally incapacitated, um, but they might be going through some crazy, amazing like dream or whatever, just visceral experience yeah. in their own head. Nobody that is in another world, whether it's a dream or a real world or whatever, when looked at from the outside looks uh yeah. like any kind of reasonable human <laughs> yeah i think that's a great analogy i think that's exactly what it is yeah yeah oh, God. But, like yeah, people get great. so creeped out about that and now that i'm thinking of it that way i'm like what wait everyone sleeps every night and that's literally what happens yeah. is you you're having your own internal escapism uh, experience every single time, right? You go and like sleep. once in a while, you'll burst out with something, you know, whether that's like yeah, yeah, you like twitch or, yeah. or you twitch, <laughs> you start running yeah. in your sleep. Your dog yeah. does it. Like that is that is a, a yeah. natural thing. And now we're just we're inducing it through this technology or hardware. Yeah, I like the idea of VR as a lucid dream. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. In that scenario, those actors and actresses who got together or the troupe, 
to create that play. It's like, how did they know about Rec Room and what even made them decide to do it there? Do you know? That's a good question. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, And I don't know how many of them knew each other already versus like, was it one or two people? And then they held auditions for folks who were already in Rec Room. Right. I know at least one of them is um, one of our community managers um, who was just like one of our early players and like a super fan of the game who we've since hired. Um, nice. And she's been working with us for a couple of years. She's amazing. Mama Monkey is her handle. Mama, she's, hey. Mama Monkey. She's <laughs> a Mama Monkey. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, and I'm pretty sure she's one of the actresses. So she's yeah. involved with oh, it, but I don't think cool. she like started it. And it certainly wasn't like an official uh, rec room thing that we tried to try yeah. to like kick off or anything. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how, right. how it got started or like how they got the idea in the first place. It just makes you wish that, like you said, that more people did things like this and understood that that was even an option and available because yeah. we get stuck in this loop of, of like I had asked, I'm like, is it mostly gamers in the experience or something? Because obviously part of that is, like you said, the technology that's available and who, well, who has headsets right now, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I really think that people have no clue what you can do until you see yeah. something like this crazy experience with the play and yeah. the, this actor's troupe coming together. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's there's two parts of it. One of it, one of them is the problem with video games in general. Like it drives me crazy when I hear someone say like, I'm not into games or like games aren't for me or I'm not a gamer. Yeah. Because to me, it feels like that's the same thing as saying like, I'm not into movies because like you have seen a transformers movie and you think like that's all that film mm-hmm. yeah. is and i think it's like such a tragedy that like a lot of people think like call of duty is video games you yeah. know mm-hmm. or Fortnite is video games or whatever yeah um which is like great games and if that's your jam like great but mm-hmm. there is like an insane world of just like so much stuff out there so that many is just kinds of experience it's just yeah just interactive entertainment and yeah. the idea that anybody could not like any piece of that is mm-hmm. like crazy to me and i think there are a lot of people who are kind of artificially excluded from that they just haven't which found is terrible. a thing that yeah. they that they really relate yeah. with yet so yeah. there's there's that piece of it and then for vr specifically it's so hard like part of it like we were saying earlier just like when you see someone else doing it mm. you're like oh it looks a little bit goofy and like i don't want to look goofy yeah um or even just understanding is this a compelling thing or not mm-hmm. like uh I, I forget who i heard this quote from but someone made the analogy that trying to explain VR with just like video trailers is like trying to understand a movie trailer on the radio or like through a poster. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> movie I love trailer that. from the radio. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, you'll get like some of it, but it's like right. just not <laughs> yeah. until you try it. Tom Cruise is running. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. In a world. It's yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. It's it just He's making big hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> Explosions. On an augmented reality Fireworks. board. <laughs> yeah. That's Minority Report, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah, I can tell. Definitely want to watch that movie now. Tom yeah. Cruise zooms in on a picture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Trust us, oh, it's okay. cool. Oh, God. That's the thing, though. It's all, all us VR nerds are like, trust us, it's cool. Like, yeah, trust you're us. so right. Trust us. It's like trust you just us. have. Yeah. It's, it's like, all ah, about, you can't. You got to just do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about having like the community outside of the headset bring you in. And then in the headset, like you're saying, it's so in Rec Room in particular, it's like just having that experience where the right people are around you and they and they bring you into the right experiences. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like, feel like it, it's like growing up. It's like you, first you need your virtual parents. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> then you need like your one virtual best friend. Then you two figure it out yeah. kind of together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get unleashed into the record. <laughs> I'll, I'll pitch that to the yeah. team. Okay. Like, all right. Yeah, let's like get everybody needs. Up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your parents decide which sports you're going to do. Like, yeah. so you don't oh, yeah. have to decide. <laughs> yeah. They're like, here's what your interests are going to be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're going to practice you in. piano. You can't yeah. play paintball until you do your piano lessons. <laughs> We're going to put you in football, ballet, and violin lessons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I mean, al- it's almost like, so to go back to the dream analogy, it's yeah. like telling somebody about your dream and like, it was crazy. Like, ugh, you had to like, be there. Yeah. You- <laughs> like, I wish you could have experienced it. And you're just like nodding your head. Yeah, like, uh-huh. And yeah. It's like, wow, I that do. sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I do love that every time. It's like when you're trying to quote a movie and you forget the quote when you're telling your dream. And yeah. you're like, anyways, the car was like in the air. It doesn't make sense. You're like, it sounds in- completely insane. Then but it like- wasn't a car anymore, but yeah. it was my mom. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> or like you're telling a joke to somebody after it's already happened. You're trying to like re-explain. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you had it you was. Had to be there. It was funny to... when you heard it the first yeah. time. Oh, God, totally. That should be like the tagline for VR. Yeah. VR, you have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that that's should be so Rec Room's new tagline. It's yeah, totally yeah. welcome. It totally should. I'm, I'm encouraged now. <laughs> you should have been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's happening now, though. We're all go to like parties and events, mm-hmm. and someone else will be the one to bring up VR. Which like, is yes. awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like that that Star Wars party I was talking about where yeah. like we were all playing Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. Like at least one, if not two people bought a quest after that party. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And so like it's it's we're spreading. Inspired. It takes, yeah, it yeah. takes like trying it with other people a lot of the time yeah. to convince It looks you. silly from the outside, but like after doing it, it's like such a powerful thing. People yeah. are definitely interested. And in like we had mentioned to you before, I mean, this is part of why we're doing this podcast, which is there are so many people that are interested and they're just kind Curious. of like yeah. peering in through the window, you know, they're yeah. like, Hmm, they're I wonder what that's about, person. you know, but they feel, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but, and they exactly, they're wondering and, but they don't really have the right language around it. They're even more nervous than us. And we're like people who are in the industry or around it. And nevertheless, we get nervous going into some of these experiences. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they need to understand that that is common, you know, and that yeah. and that you just got to try different things and and figure out what you like and find your group and find your people. Yeah. Um, I gotta yeah. say how excited I am about the Oculus Quest. Yeah. As really? like a step in this. Yeah. Totally. Like it. So I've been working on various like apps for computers that you put on your face for just like <laughs> probably like seven years. Face I think computers. Now. Face computers. <laughs> uh, and I've been waiting for the day when I could finally say to a random human, uh, you should go out and like get one of these now. Right. Cause like yeah. as much as I love HoloLens and mm. I'm like so proud of working on that, it's still technically a dev kit and is like, I don't it's know, three pro- grand or something. Yeah. And it's prohibitively expensive. It's not, and it's, it's not a consumer. It's not a consumer device. Yeah. Um, and then you look at like the Rift or the Vive or PSVR and like all of those are like more and more accessible. Yeah. Um, but the amount of overhead for like setting it up and like learning how to use it, whatever, mm-hmm. I think we're finally at the point where I can like genuinely say to someone who's not already psyched about VR, like, yeah. hey, you should go without me walking you through it. Like you should just go to a Best Buy mm-hmm. and like get one of these things and bring it to your house mm-hmm. and just like use it on your own yeah. and have any kind of confidence that that's going to 
go well. Yeah. Um, like I've been, oh my God, I could like gush about this forever. I promise I don't work for <laughs> Oculus. I'm just like yeah. so jazzed about it. Well, like, I've yeah. got, I've got some good like counter questions for you about this too, or critical okay. questions as well. So, um, one of the things I think they do really well is the out of box experience. So, like uh-huh. I really like their like first steps kind of like tutorial thing oh, okay. that like the first bit of it is mostly non-interactive. It's just kind of like there's fireworks and there's like a floating whale going around and it's just like yeah. visually like super, super cool. Um, and then they teach you how to use the controllers and stuff. Um, and even just that is like super delightful. So like there's part of it, there's these rockets that you can pick up that you like pick up in one hand. And then there's like a pull tab on the back that you'd like pull with the other hand. Oh, um, and then you let go and it kind of like, it kind of like, yeah, like flies off into space. Um, (laughs) and right after I got my quest, uh, I was on a trip to see some of my fancy, uh, family and she has like a cousins who are like seven and nine. And their parents let them try the headset. Because, of course, I brought the Quest with me on the plane, of course. Um, and that was one of their favorite parts was, like, the middle of the tutorial. They're like, can we play the Rocket game again? Yeah. And it's literally just, like, one piece of the tutorial. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. so just that interaction of, really like, satisfying. yeah, it's just, like. <laughs> it does remind me a little bit of the original Oculus Rift tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it? It was, the, it was the Daydream. What was that called? Not the Daydream. There was one the where you all right track with me here and see if you can remember okay. it. It's like you're entering. There is like a dinosaur that comes down a hallway. I swear it was like the original because there was the Oculus Touch tutorial and then there was fuck. Now I'm gonna have to look this up. It was uh, on the Oculus, so it wasn't the Daydream. But the reason I'm saying Daydream is like called some sort of special name that I feel like had dream in it. Okay. Um, oh. And it was like the first thing you experienced when you put the Rift on. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I have the experience with this. Anyways, the Rift had a similar experience where there was like a dinosaur that would uh, walk down um, like a hallway and kind of chase you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I would always want to go back there and show people that experience because I just remember that first feeling of like, ah! <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like super crazy. But anyways, the when, rockets sound cool too. Yeah, no, was it this, was like, it Dream one... Deck? Dream Deck. Thank uh, you. I never did that one. Yeah, so okay. it was yeah, it it's was a Dream the Dream Deck, deck experience. Uh, went for oh, it's a museum corridor. That mm-hmm. is so there was like yeah, a... so it was it was Dream Deck experience, and I guess it was part of some tutorial for Oculus Rift. I think at okay. some point and yeah. then later on you could find it like i think right now if you go to the oculus store you can go find the dream deck tutorial or something like mm. that and it was uh just i think the, the similarly uh just a, a great example of really cool stuff mm-hmm. around you that you could see but yeah yeah it makes me so happy when companies get that stuff right yeah um and there's like so much that goes into it it's like what are you teaching people and what are you deciding to have as the first experience? Totally. And like the the end of the Oculus Quest um, tutorial, there's like two cartridges that you can pick to like plug in for two kind of like mini games. And one of them is like a shooting game where they give you a gun and you're like shooting at targets and stuff. And like, that's, that's fun. The other one though, you're dancing with a robot. So you like, there are these cables that you like pull down and like plug in. And then this like delightful smiley robot appears with these like giant spaghetti arms and you hold on to his two arms and you're just like dancing to the beat. And it's like, it's so fun. And it made me really happy that they picked, they clearly picked like two sort of types of experiences to showcase. And one of them was, I got a gun and I'm like shooting at stuff. Uh And the other one is just like, I'm flailing around with spaghetti robot arms. having fun with Uh, this crazy thing. Yeah, just like as a signal of like, we want breadth here. Like this isn't just 
how I play Call of Duty or whatever. This isn't, this isn't just, just like, like a shooter video game platform. Yeah, like, there's so yeah. much more that you can do. Exactly. Just yeah, yeah. So that that made me really happy that I thought I'm sure they had a brainstorming session with like seven thousand different you know mechanics yeah, and games like, they could have had in there. And... To all of the gamers that are going to want to see some sort of like shooter type thing. Right. Yeah. But we also want to try to encourage more people to see another side of this. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that progression. I mean, from getting to the oculus quest and then like moving forward reminds me of the progression you guys are probably working on in rec room because obviously it's funny because i had to plug in my riff today to show jay the to show him what rec room and we had just moved and so i was like resetting everything up and oh man i was just like (laughs) you know who the heck is gonna do this because i'm i've done it a million times and I still have issues half the time, you know, or just like when you have to reset up everything and that's not knocking on any of these companies because I love all of the headsets and like I think everything they've done is amazing, but it's just like, you know, it's this, you know, that feeling of like, it's, this is frustrating because nobody else, no, no normal human would take the time to do this outside of the people who are super enthusiasts or work in the industry. They'd be really frustrated and return it. Yeah, and, like, like, you can't expect people to know that stuff. I mean, I get frustrated because I'm just, like, you know, how can I tell between USB 2 and USB 3 and which one is it plugged into? Like, I'll be trying (laughs) to, like, flashlight on the back of my computer, you know, and I'm, like, I am one of those people who totally gets not understanding that stuff because that's not my background. I had to basically learn all these basics because I was interested in VR. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, similarly, uh, Jay and I were talking about, I mean, that room scale idea. It's, like, well... Mm -hmm. If to play really cool games, you need a giant house with a giant room. I mean, it's it feels frustrating sometimes to think like, well, how is that going to get out to the masses? Yeah, yes. that, is, totally. that limits the number of people and types of people yeah. that can play this. It's, by it's frustrating even if you are in the industry and you are you do feel comfortable with that stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I have a Vive at home that it's great and I'm glad that I bought it and I still use it when I want multiple people in my house playing VR together. Yeah. Um. But I don't come home and pick it up. I do with my quest now. I'll come home and be like, oh, I want to play Beat Saber. And I just pull it out and I put it on my face and it just works. Yeah. And yeah. it's magical. Yeah. But like even if you like you said, you've done it a hundred times, even yeah. if you like know what to expect, still inevitably there's gonna be, oh, there's a Windows update and like now yeah. Steam is doing whatever. And like, oh, this <laughs> controller's not tracking, and like, oh, the base station got bumped and I have to redo the whatever. Right. Like it just it's too much. I think even if you are totally. really into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so we have the headsets going in the right direction now, and um, it's becoming more available. Uh, you know what? I actually, yeah. this, this was kind of, it's about the headset specifically. Oh, yeah, I go for it. Interrupt, but um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't play VR all that often these days. Um, but like I was literally only in Rec Room for like 15 minutes, and this has nothing to do with Rec Room. It's just using a headset. My... Uh, like I started to develop a pretty good headache, mm-hmm. um, like in my in my right eye and like inside of the the bridge of the nose, like pretty quick. I wasn't getting motion sickness or anything, but um, just it just reminded me that like certain things like that, where the it's just the general difficulty of having a screen mm-hmm. that close to your face, yeah, um, and, and like the way that that affects your sort of like physical mechanics of interacting with that device is still something that has a long way to go Yeah, from like a development and just 
UX perspective. I'm curious. Do you set your IPD when you inner use an pupil, HMD? The inner pupil yeah. area. And do, and do you know what that is set at that point, right? Uh, no, I think you showed me. The, I showed you after, yeah. I think. Oh, you yeah, already had you the did. headache. Yeah, I already had the headache. I hadn't adjusted it, um, and that might have been part of the problem. I am a software developer and like a product manager and just a general techie and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that was that, that I needed to adjust that yeah. when I first put this on. So like, there's no way. Oh, totally. <laughs> that yeah, most yeah. people are are gonna have any idea um, with that kind of thing. So like, these are just general problems and like rusty parts about working with this new hardware because it is still mm -hmm. very new. That we, as just like the industry, still has a long way to go. Yeah. And I think I, I mean, obviously I'm biased in that, like, I work in this industry and I'm clearly very enthused about it, but like, I, yeah, yeah. I believe that all that stuff is going to get figured out. Over time. I think the, yeah. the question for me is, is it going to get figured out fast enough that there's not going to be a backlash or like a disillusionment or, I don't know if you've seen that chart of like that graph of the hype cycle. Yeah. That it's like new, new technology comes out. People get super excited. Yeah. And then there's the like trough of disillusionment yeah. where like <laughs> everyone's just like, Oh, this is not what we expected. Yeah, It's not or... exactly the most amazing thing that we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then the kinks get ironed out and then it like takes off. Eventually. Yeah. And like, it kind of like goes in waves like that over time, but you start to smooth out in a general progression after. Yeah. It's like the phone industry or the cell phone industry early on. You had these huge bulky devices with all kinds of issues. They'd over, heat or like the batteries didn't last very long and then we started to get things better we definitely couldn't go on youtube yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. what did we do with those phones yeah. <laughs> what were they even for <laughs> like anybody remember t9 like when they first started coming out with the sliding keyboards were like you just shink and like pop out a physical keyboard yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh. And then, like, everyone was really frustrated. <laughs> everyone was really frustrated with having to start using touch keyboards. Yeah. And then they got better, and, like, we figured out how to smooth out that interaction yeah. more. And now most people are okay with that. Although you still always have to worry about, like, the accessibility thing. Right. Which well, it became a convenience thing for a lot of people. I think phones, like you had to have them for a reason to call someone. So it was already in people's hands. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. and then the convenience of looking something up once you could get onto the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe in some ways when people talk about like the quote unquote killer app in VR, a lot of people think like something like Beat Saber, which is like people just get really excited about it. But it's almost like, well, what's the necessity item? You know, like what's yeah, going to force people to need it? That's not. I mean, it's the same thing with computers, right? Because like there was a time where everyone like laughed really hard at the idea that pe everyone would have computers in the yeah. house. And to be honest, all that stuff is definitely not ironed out. I mean, I sometimes think about how anyone deals with computers that didn't grow up with somebody that knew about them. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, how does anyone figure out when I have computer issues? I just think, how does my mom have a computer in her house? Like she, <laughs> how does anyone? <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like I rely so heavily on friends or like basically Mike. to Basically just do everything for me, you know, have the time. And I'm like, tech savvy you know anyways the point is it might not all get ironed out but back to your point Gwen like well there's a there's a long tail of just yeah. there will continue to be small issues and things that over time get ironed but it's a continuous there will improvement still process. be 
updates. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> like, the, you know, you need to update the Bug yeah. fixes, patch. Yeah, patches. there will still be error codes. <laughs> um, but when you were saying that maybe, I think you were starting to say that maybe you're afraid we are in the trough of disillusionment. Yeah, the trough, trough of disillusionment. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I'm afraid that we're there yet necessarily i mean if you look i so i went to gdc last year okay and they had a bunch of vr so there's like a vrdc like section of it yeah mm-hmm. and there was a bunch of talk there about the general industry sentiment around vr compared to a couple of years prior yeah. to that and people kind of feeling like oh yeah there was a ton of hype in like i don't know 2016 ish yeah. around like this is the new hotness it's finally here yeah you know vr was gonna take off before and then it's it didn't like multiple stay. times but it's here for real this time <laughs> yeah and people got super jazzed about it. Yep. Tons of startup, tons of money flying around. Mm. And then after a couple of years, it didn't really like explode as much as people hoped. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I'm not afraid that like, oh my God, it's all drying up. Like yeah. I think especially mm-hmm. the fact that we got to the Oculus Quest, like that's it wasn't like, okay, Facebook acquired Oculus, but then got disillusioned and shut it down after two years <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, no, they're clearly like still heavily invested They're still invested in there's still like a long-term plan and sort of progression for this it's just yeah. yeah yeah and so i'm i'm super confident and optimistic that we will get there eventually and mm. i'm like pretty confident that we're or hopeful i don't know i'd say fairly confident <laughs> optimistic that, yeah that uh we're not gonna go through like a horrible backlash or, or winter of uh yeah funding we're like all the company, all you know, all the little startups die, and all the big companies like back off completely. Yeah, yeah, and it just gets dropped for another few decades or something. Yeah, yeah. it may just take a bit longer than people mm-hmm. expect, and so for companies like Rec Room, like we're not just a VR company anymore, yeah. and so we're like we very much believe in like VR expanding a lot more, and we would love to get more and more VR players. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there's only so many headsets out there right now. Yeah, and so we're expanding where we can. Yeah. Uh, kind of in the meantime, hoping to continue to ride the VR waves like as more and more devices. Yeah, or like come be out. there and and ready to embrace yeah, it as, as totally. new waves come in and like help push it forward as much as we can. Yeah, surfboard um, at the ready. Yeah, <laughs> I think even but, just doing that cross platform thing would help because. You have people interacting and they're playing paintball and one dude's like, dude, you should try this out in VR. It's 10 times better. And they're like, actually, yeah, I'm sick of this 2D experience. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So I think you guys are already, you know, even in the ways that seem like it's moving away from VR, it's actually helping. Like you said, it's expanding the user base. Totally. Introducing them, exposing them to that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's yeah. there's the side of things where you're actually opening it up now. Um, like people have been making all this user generated content mm-hmm. um, for the platform for a while now, but there's been a shift, I guess, internally for the team to like start considering building like an economy into it so that people can actually like monetize the things that they're making. That's right. Um, so like, what kinds of considerations have gone into uh, deciding how to incentivize and structure that yeah. when you're engineering it. <laughs> oh, man. That's a very good question. So I guess to back up and give some like high-level context to what we're thinking about yeah. here. So in Rec Room, uh, we have a virtual currency called tokens that you can earn by just playing the game. Yeah. Um, and then you can use those to buy stuff from 
from us effectively yeah. rec room content Costumes um yeah that's all it's cosmetic stuff so it's not yeah. um pay to win it doesn't like alter gameplay outcomes or anything like Meaning that yeah. for instance when jay played my avatar today and he <laughs> went on a quest i got a bunch of tokens Coins, and i've got yeah. my eye on a scuba mask yeah <laughs> we just we came up with a bunch of sweet summer items um yeah. so just last week uh, I think it was Shark Week. We mm-hmm. released a shark hat. So oh, you I saw have, that shark hat. It's it's so hot right now. People are really into the shark hat. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that already exists. That functionality is already there. Yeah. Um, and as of, I think, earlier this year, maybe beginning of this year, um, you can also pay money. So real uh-huh. American dollars, real currency of your choice. Yeah. Uh, to buy the virtual currency, which you can then spend on those items. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole can of worms around ethical discussions around microtransactions and like how you make that stuff work, yeah. uh, which is one piece of it. But the the piece that I'm starting to work on now is what we want for our player to player economy. Uh-huh. So like you were saying, um, there's this big focus as a company on user generated content mm-hmm. and saying like, we want players to build all this awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, but we'd also like them to be really feel tangibly rewarded for doing that. Yeah. Not and, just get like in-game tokens to buy more in-game things. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, real monetary value from their work yeah we would love to get there eventually that's sort of the like dream end goal that like if you could make a living making stuff in rec room that is like the dream for us (laughs) that would be amazing because we have these people who like make amazing content and like they should museum of time yeah right like they should or like um one of my favorite rooms is called battle battle cruiser down which is like um, the same kind of idea as like the quest that you played where there's like uh-huh. multiple scenes that you're going through. It's Levels, a cooperative thing. Areas, yeah. uh, and players made that. They just made it themselves. Mm. Um, and I would love to be able to, you know, I don't know how long it would take for you to be able to like actually like make a living, but at least like make, yeah. you know, non-trivial money from yeah. it eventually. So that's the like far out like end end goal. Mm. Um, so to get there, we have to figure out like what does it mean for players to give each other tokens. Yeah, like what is what are they actually paying for? Like yeah. what is the value of those yeah. things? So this just keeps blowing my mind because I feel like <laughs> up until today I didn't realize how much you guys literally I mean in the industry I feel like people would call it the metaverse. I'm honestly a little sick of just calling things the metaverse. Yeah. And yeah. also a lot of people don't know necessarily what that means. It's all, it's that, like, that is a very broadly encompassing term. Right. It's just, but it, yeah, but anyways, the point is creating a world and like what you're saying, you're like, so what is value? And what does it mean to create value? And how do we trade for value? And what are are, things worth? Those are all things that just kind of emerged naturally in the real world. I don't think it did. It did. At some point we were trading seashells. Right. But I'm saying, I don't, I mean, it emerged naturally is, is I wonder how, you know, well, I guess it's not that that's incorrect. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like it was probably that makes it sound easier. I guess is my point is meaning like I feel like determining what is value and how what how many shells are worth a whatever whatever yeah. is like, you know, a really difficult thing to do. I imagine and involves it's just like bizarre to think about. I mean, creating yeah, like how I guess it's just like stocks. It's well, like everyone else yeah. thinks something is worth something, and everyone decides, and then it has value because we all agree that it has value, and we yeah. like right. trust that it has value, right? Yeah. But then, like in this case, you guys are these like weird gods who are creating the value system. The community is kind of you're starting like, that engineering. process, 
Right. You're, they're you're, starting yeah. that process by they're like saying, oh, well, this is the value we can create. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's just an it's you're like the government, you know, you're, you're like you're specifically saying like, OK, well, this mask, we're going to set it at 50 coins or from mm-hmm. this player, which will cost this much money from them in real life. And we're just going to see if that works. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's like, oh man, You're so like, many things so much, that I, can you I'd like shut up? I have, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I have like so many things I want to say. Okay, so, go. okay. So, to your point about the metaverse, yeah. I think um, a lot of teams and companies have been like, we're gonna solve the metaverse, and like approached so, it from a from whoa. a top down perspective, yeah. and like that's super hard to be yeah. like, what is the metaverse? How should it work? Solve the meta. What solve does that the metaverse. I. Yeah. Big Solves big companies world. try to try to do stuff like, like that. We're just going to build a perfect. Yeah, it's world. like here's what we want to get. Well, well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. how would you even go about doing yeah. that? So, uh, it may seem weird that Rec Room evolved from it's like a sports game where you play paintball to yeah. like what is value? <laughs> like, uh, how do we build a market? Do, yeah, uh, but I feel like that's a more realistic progression where like you start. Or something small and tangible, mm-hmm. and you see if people like that, and then you just build and build and build, yeah. and that's yeah. what we've been doing. Instead of being like, even though I think like in the founding days of the company, I think the founders had visions of you know something grander eventually, <laughs> but they're like they weren't like we're gonna start from there. We're gonna start from like some tiny tiny piece of it, yeah, and yeah. find that compelling little chunk, yep. and then we're gonna expand from build there. something small that works, and then just yeah, um, and then yeah, your point about like we are the gods engineering how it should work. Um, it's weird to think about <laughs> the it that intelligent way. design. Yeah. I mean, so, so like we, there's the store that we have now where it's like, come buy your shark hat and it costs this many tokens. Um, <laughs> the merch which stand. Like those, the merch stand. Yeah. The, just to clarify, those tokens don't actually do anything. Like at the end of the day, that's just people using their time to engage in like the incentive structure that you built into the game, get tokens, which are just points. They're just numbers. Mm-hmm. And then, give those numbers back to the game in order to get yeah. items in return. Yeah. But Meaning like, you can't cash in you your can't tokens. Cash them out yeah, there's no like actual some value. Money. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Currently. Yeah. We yeah. would love to get to the point where the tokens that you earn as a creator, yeah. uh, you could cash back out to mm-hmm. dollars. Oh, okay. You there's like a exchange. ton of complicated stuff involved in like how do yeah. we do that in a way yeah. that doesn't explode. There's like, oh my gosh. Doesn't like a explode? Whole, it doesn't explode. It's, there's so many things that can go wrong. Um, but we'd love to like get to that point. Yeah. Um, but for the the middle piece of like, well, but what do those players even charge each other? And like, how do we decide how that works? Um, yeah. We we want the players to decide that for themselves as much as possible. I was gonna. Ask yeah. So there's there's saying. two there's two pieces that we think of when we're talking about P two P economy for for rec room. So one of them is yeah. um, charging for your inventions. That's the the okay. the easier like smaller scope piece of it. Mm-hmm. So we already have like we talked about earlier this concept of like I'm going to make a thing. I'm going to make this asset, this like piece of art or this interactive model, model whatever level, this awesome yeah. thing, uh, and I'm going to share it with other people. Yeah. Um. Instead of it always being free, maybe I can say, hey, you have to pay tokens for this, mm-hmm. and then um the tokens go from the buying player to the selling player. Let that person decide how much they yeah, want to Yeah, they can it. decide and it can still be free if they want it want to be. It to, yeah. Um the other piece that we want is players being able to charge each other tokens in their rooms. So room is the oh. word that we use for the like world or scene or level that you can create in Rec Room. So like the private spaces or open? Uh just the user created spaces. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um so we're not totally sure what that should look like yet. Um, so oh. I was talking earlier about like the 
visual scripting language we have where like you can spawn chips and you wire them together mm-hmm. to have behavior. Um, so we've talked about like, what does it mean to have a super general purpose token chip where like a yeah. player comes into my room, they put some tokens into the chip, a signal comes out of the chip and I as a room creator can do whatever I want with that signal. Yeah. I can use it to unlock a weapon. I could use it to unlock a costume. Yeah. I could use it to just like start the game. Maybe my game is a paid game. Maybe you can't play any of it until you pay me tokens or maybe my game is free yeah but i have a gift shop because we we already have rooms uh like some of the museum rooms people made that literally have a gift (laughs) shop but you can't buy anything it's more just like art of a gift shop yeah they're just displaying a bunch of yeah and then they have little signs that are like oh this invention i've made an invention of this thing yeah you can go get it for free in the invention store yeah but it's all free because we don't have paid inventions Mm -hmm. yet yep um but maybe you could have a literal gift shop where you can all of your assets put, yeah so so you can put tokens in and get oh. a copy of my asset to use it now yeah so, so it's not, like instead of having a web store for the things that you make on etsy like a, a digital artist in rec room could be creating all these different models and objects or game assets inventions and then like actually build a space for people to walk into and say yep. like browse yeah. my my shop <laughs> and we already have people doing this which is crazy yeah. so like we don't have actual support for it yet but we have yeah. some players who are like amazing at making like custom weapons for example uh-huh. and they have these rooms where they're like come to my room i will show you this invention and you if you buy me because we have gifting in our store so okay. i can buy you a shark hat so you Ooh, could be like i made this really rad sword uh-huh. come to that. my room i'll show it to you Buy me a shark hat and I will let you make an invention <laughs> from my sweet sword. Yeah. And so people are already doing that. Doing a, a sort of organic exchange. Yeah. Some kind of like bartering that like yeah. there's some trust involved because we don't have the systems You're implemented not enforcing yet. Enforcing the exchange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we would love for that to be like a actual system supported. that's supported. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so many things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. if, so, the whole idea of purchasing, this reminds me of like Bitcoin, right? Which yeah, I don't know I, anything about. And I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> Let's talk about the blockchain. <laughs> it's too late. The proof of um, contract. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, <laughs> but like, I feel like it begs this question, which is like, for someone like, I keep using my mom, like, I love my mom. <laughs> But I'm like, let's say, why would my mom want to purchase anything in this environment? You know, like, because I think a lot of people who maybe already play games have this sense of like, oh, I'm going to use my tokens. Well, I liked it, for instance, in adventure games where you literally needed to like, like this will help me do better. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to purchase that awesome sword to then do that quest or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh and I can understand the feeling of just having fun with friends and wanting to buy someone a shark hat or mm-hmm. receive a shark hat yeah. in in real life as well. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> um, I want a real life shark hat. Yeah. But have do you have any ideas or have you thought about what else, like what would attract someone to purchasing in this environment or having stuff out, outside of that, I guess? Like or for, for someone who – Yeah, for someone valuable? I guess, or or just like, what would make my mom interested in purchasing stuff in this environment? Yeah. Or is that not, I mean, it's possibly just not the target audience, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, so do you know, does your mom have a smartphone? Mm-hmm. Does she pay for apps at all? Do you know? Or would she, do you think? I think like, she what? would if if she wanted something and it gave her value and she understood how to download and pay for the app. Yeah. Um, does she buy clothing 
Uh, yeah, I mean, she she loves clothing and she she loves purchasing things and she knows how to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like obviously there's the whole. She has just been like, two stores. Yeah. Before. And obviously, we. Um, my mom doesn't need to be the only example. Like, yeah, and I, and I don't even mean older people in that sense. I just mean someone who's maybe not very technically savvy, sure. and, but someone who can get into Beat Saber and love it once yeah. it's handed to them. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder, like, I feel like someone like her, or there's just a lot of people that would be like, I, why the heck would I want to purchase something that's not real? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, oh. Well, I feel like, if you're not invested in the space, like you're not inherently interested in just your your character or presence in that space, um, then you're not connected to it enough to be interested in paying money, right? But like as soon as I jumped in earlier today, I immediately was like, ooh, I like that particular piece of clothing. I'm going to put that on. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to grab that scarf over there and because that mm. matches these glasses. And okay, I'm already like color coordinated with some yeah. blue glasses and a blue scarf. Yeah. Um, so like I immediately if I can imagine if that was a, a situation where I was having to pay for things, um, I would be like, I really like that particular scarf. I'm going to use whatever like tokens or things that I've I have to like purchase that so that I can wear it because it's yeah. like. I have an avatar and that's me in this environment. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I think it goes back to the like what is value thing. Mm-hmm. Like is yeah. that like I get frustrated trying to talk to people about microtransactions and like cause there's definitely a ton of valid like ethical concerns and practical concerns around how do we monetize things and what does it mean, especially when like kids are playing games and mm-hmm. being worried about uh, the incentives that games put in and like gambling and loot boxes and there's like oh. tons of stuff to be concerned about there. Yeah. Um like legit debate to, to go on there. Yeah, that is a Yeah. Um <laughs> I feel like but, we're gonna end up needing a, a a podcast B like, you know, part 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 two or whatever uh-huh. of Besides, this conversation yeah. where and like down the line and talk Just more about this. ethical yeah. concerns. Yeah. Right. Because I assume it'll only keep going. But yeah. anyways, and, yeah, so that's yeah. going. There's that whole can of worms. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes when I hear people talk about it and Often it'll be like parents talking about their kids spending money in Fortnite or whatever, where uh-huh. they're just like, I don't understand how people could spend money on this. It's just a virtual hat. Like, I don't understand. They're throwing their money away. Yeah. Um, and that, it really frustrates me because it's like, if you're, if someone is finding value out of this, mm-hmm. like, then what's wrong with them spending money on it? Like, when you go to the movies and you leave an hour and a half later, like what tangible thing you had an experience. Yeah, you like you're sat not, down you're not walking away with it. Yeah, and like photons <laughs> were beamed into your eyes. And then you, and you had fun and you then you life. left. You bought <laughs> photons streamed to you. Like that's already well, like a virtual that way. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I could have just shined a flashlight into yeah. my, my retinas for right. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or like if I if I pay to go to a play, yeah. would I also pay to go to a play in rec room? Mm-hmm. Like those don't seem very different to yeah. me. It's, it's so, experiential value. Totally. And so like, yeah, I'm totally not dismissing all of the like ethical concerns about like how do you monetize in a like non-exploitative way. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I feel like when people completely out of hand dismiss like, I don't understand, it's throwing money away, it's like for nothing, it's virtual, it's just bits. Uh-huh. Um, so much is like, so much of life is that. And like if you get value out of that, you should, it should be okay to pay money for it. And so to the question of like, why would my mom pay money for this? Yeah. Like if there's a piece of Rec Room or a piece of any other VR game that she enjoys, yeah. then mm-hmm. hopefully she would want to spend some money on that. That makes sense. 
And I do think that if she is probably a terrible example, to be honest, but but she could get involved in a world like that and care what she looks like. To 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 your yeah. point, Jay, as well, like, you know, look you can see yourself in the mirror and like wave and you you choose what you look like. And yeah. if she started playing in that more and liking that more, I think the things that she likes now, which is she does love uh you know, finding nice clothes and looking nice and and looking good for her friends and chatting with her friends and going out and buying them something or whatever. So she found that connection in that world and wanted Mm -hmm. to live in that. Mm -hmm. Those same things would be valuable to her there um, because she would be able to, you know, show them off like in in that world, right? Um, And I think that, I mean, Gwen, like you said, it does – it's very much clicking for me now because I think I probably was historically one of those people where I'm like, why would Skeptical. you buy – and because like real money, put real money on these virtual clothing. But yeah. that is your world and it is fun. I mean you're spending time there just like we're spending time here. And half the time when we talk about buying things here, we're like, well, you know – if your whole it's just you know it's just kind of vain half the time you know it's like it's actually not adding a ton of value to maybe from somebody else's perspective but it is to you at the end of the day you're just you're you're paying for a bunch of bits in the first place to buy the experience like the game itself yeah um and then the money that you're buying it with is also just perceived value attached right. to like it's imaginary attached well, to isn't paper isn't that like just what matter is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aren't, well, we, even aren't we all it's, just bits and tokens here <laughs> well like the just point tokens is all the way down. it's all <laughs> tokens all the way down did you hear <laughs> yeah oh my gosh we keep, we keep making this this allegory of the turtles yeah like turtles all the way down analogy oh, i think okay. we probably cut that out of the episode it was in but we had a long conversation about turtles <laughs> all the way down no i think it was in the episode I'm pretty sure. No, no, we, it, wasn't, we did. it was in a different oh, version. Yeah, a friend Anyways, of mine doesn't matter. Listened to the original intro that we had, yeah, and yeah. we had talked about that, and she really liked that that allegory. Um, what was it? Was, it? So I so I think that came from like there there was a story um, where there was an old man telling a kid about like how the world was created, and the kid keeps on asking, well, like who is the man Atlas that is holding up the globe? What is he standing on? And they, the old man says like, oh, well, he's standing on the back of a turtle. And then the kid's like, well, what is the turtle standing on? And he's like, no, it's, it's turtles all the way down. Right, Just, right. <laughs> don't worry so about it. tokens all the way down. <laughs> but yeah, so now, yeah. So now everyone knows. Because when yeah. Jay first used that phrase, I was like, are you from Hawaii? Like, <laughs> is this a sea turtle? Is this yeah. what you guys think about land and yeah. stuff? <laughs> but apparently, I am the one who is out of the loop. No, I, um, I think the the main, just like at the end of the day, it's all subjective experience and perspective yeah. is like where the value of anything comes right. from. So, like the value of of ten dollars being used to buy a bunch of like virtual clothing or virtual experiences or whatever, it's only valuable right. if a person finds it to be valuable in that context right so okay so because you're like create recreating the world in a virtual space (laughs) as we just recreating the world yeah basically (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh your own stack of turtles (laughs) right is there okay well let's like just recap for one second because we didn't even talk about half the stuff you've done in your past and and what you're interested in and all of that which we'll just we definitely have to have like a part b podcast at some point or an episode yeah to be continued but um so 
Because you have so much experience, like we talked about, you worked in gestures and interaction and in, in uh, back in Hololens. Um, you've also worked in other stuff when, back when you were working at Microsoft, which we didn't talk about, like working on Holotor, which was a very popular experience that took you to I forget uh, to where. Rome and to Peru. Right, you could go Whoa. up Machu Picchu. Yeah, yeah, Holotor is awesome. Oh. Yeah, and I <laughs> yeah. heard amazing things about it. I never experienced it for myself, but it sounds like that was the that was a big. Uh, way for HoloLens to show people what it was capable of, mm -hmm. right? Um, and anyways, we don't have time to get into detail there, but <laughs> maybe someday we'll talk about it. Uh, and then um, with Rec Room, you – what were you first working in? On Rec Room? Yeah. yeah. Um, so initially I did some – I was on the growth team, so we were doing okay. experiments with like the the tutorial and like iterating on the new user experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was on the user-generated content tools mm -hmm. for a while, okay. and then now I'm on the economy stuff. Yeah. Okay. So basically you – Gwen Lee are basically recreating the world because like you're the one you've done everything you've done you've, you've touched like literally all of the various types of things that you need to know or do to engineer the entire new realities world I, yeah I don't know it's weird to think about it that way I guess I feel like there's so many pieces of it that yeah I feel like I've touched like the tiniest fraction yeah. of it yeah I feel really lucky that I've gotten to touch a bunch of pieces right. and then work on those pieces long enough that it's not totally random where I do a, like a different thing every yeah. month and you never yeah. get to like learn anything. Um, I think yeah. I've, one of the things I'm happy about with my career so far is getting a good balance of like getting to go deep on things, but not so deep for so long. Yeah. Um, and I feel like games and VR is like such a rich pool of stuff that you can go deep on. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know, it's weird to hear it all lined up like that. Well, do you feel like you have a really good big picture of things? I mean, I remember like I used to work in consulting and I got to bounce around a lot because of that. And I felt like because I bounced around on teams and things, I was able to really see it all coming together. And you can tell when you interact with people that focus on some one thing in depth for a while. Very because, narrow. Yeah. And and those they, people are extremely helpful. And you know, you need you deep. need that. Right. But yeah. but there is something that comes with having touched various sections that I feel like it it impacts the way your brain works and how you're you view the industry or, or the thing that you're working on. Do oh, you yeah. feel that way? I guess so. I mean it's it's weird to think about it that way about myself because I work with so many other people who have like a really similar background yeah. to me. So like mm -hmm. uh, Rec Room was founded by a bunch of ex-HoloLens Microsoft folks. Mm -hmm. okay. And so it's like, oh, the people that I work with every day are like, oh, yeah, you've been working on HMD, AR, VR stuff for years and like uh, have a lot of the same and like much deeper experience in all of the areas mm -hmm. that, that I've touched. Um, but yeah, I feel like I appreciate it more when I talk to someone who's not in the space like at all. Um, mm -hmm. like I was mentioning, bringing the quest to visit some family, um, who'd like never done VR before, um, and like some younger kids and stuff and trying to explain to them and their parents, like, what even is my job or like, what <laughs> even is this? And like, we, I felt bad. It like totally took over the dinner conversation one night yeah. where they just like kept asking questions about like, wait, but like, how does this piece work? How does this piece yeah. work? How does this piece work? <laughs> um, and it was cool to like have some semblance of an answer for most of it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's it's probably true of any career path that like when you're immersed in it every day and you're working with a bunch of other people who are amazing, it's easy to forget like, oh, I've actually learned a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, and it's when you actually talk to someone who doesn't know about it already that you're like, oh, yeah, no, I I do yeah. 
have like some stuff to talk about here and to like share and then remember what it's like to hear about it for the first time is exciting you see like how far you have come potentially yeah all of a sudden you're like whoa i i really have grown a lot (laughs) yeah or like and how far the tech has come compared to because you know everybody at this point has some experience with some computer in some form Mm -hmm. you know that's their like reference point yeah and when you're explaining like what we can do now and the amount that it like blows their mind or not (laughs) um yeah it's crazy i just i love that feeling of showing someone an hmd experience for the first time is like a drug that yeah. I'm addicted to. Like I got to do a ton of demos working at Microsoft and it was awesome. That feeling yeah. of like putting a HoloLens on someone's face for the first time. And once you get over the the rocky initial part of like getting it fitted on there and like getting their RPG adjusted and like making sure it's like actually aligned properly and like all of that. Yeah. All those hurdles and the look on people's faces when they like when they see it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of the demo spiels that uh, we used to have would emphasize like you can walk around like we'd have these experiences where like at the beginning of Hollow Tour, there's like a globe that appears kind of in your room in front of you. Yeah. Um, people were like, they'll sometimes they'll see it and they'll be like, okay. Cause they, they think it's just like a screen and they're just yeah. like seeing this thing on the screen. And then you have to point out like you can, that's in your room. Like you can walk around that thing. Yeah. It is a hologram in your room. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. they take that first step and the globe is like there as if it is a real object. Yeah. Just the look. Oh my God. The looks on people's faces are just like <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the most exciting things on this trip that I just had was not me talking about VR. It was um, my brother's fiance who uh, she works at this. It's called the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum uh, near where I grew up. Um, and it's this like giant museum with a whole bunch of like really cool old um, sort of like World War II era airplanes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have a VR installment right now. And so when I got home, I was expecting like, all right, I brought my Quest home. I'm going to like demo this to my family. <laughs> and before I could do any of that, uh, she was like, there's this VR experience at my work. And like, it felt so good to hear someone else like yeah. rave about it. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. You and we actually. the one <laughs> in the room. That was yeah, totally. Uh, and we got to go and do that demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a BBC experience called 1943 Berlin Blitz, oh. I believe. And it puts you on a uh, Lancaster um, fighter plane. Yeah. I'm going to mess this up and Elise is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> uh, so you're on this plane. And the coolest part of it is the audio you hear is an actual recording from a Lancaster during oh, the Berlin Blitz. Wow. There was a BBC reporter on a plane recording this mission. Oh, and then gosh. they've recreated. Real perspective. Yeah. Of, at least the oh, my audio gosh. Experience. Wow. So they've wow. recreated. Um, models of all of the people who were on the plane and the plane itself and you're flying and they edit it because i'm sure they had like hours and hours of audio and it's like i don't know 15 minute experience Mm -hmm. so you're like cutting between different sections um but you're on the plane and you're hearing this actual audio from an airplane going over uh berlin it's insane oh my god uh and where was that again um, so it was, I saw it at the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum, okay. but it, I believe it's just in the Oculus store. So it's a BBC, oh, okay. uh, BB, the BBC made it. Mm-hmm. And I think the deal they have with museums that want to license it is, uh, I think they can license it for free. Not totally sure on that. As long as they don't charge extra for it. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you have to pay additional on top of your ticket. It, to like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think you can just like have it in your museum, I right. think. Yeah. Um, but I believe it's also just on the Oculus store. I'm not mm. totally sure. Okay. Mm. Um, 
yeah. So anyway, we got a little bit off track. Oh uh, no, I that I mean that experience sounds amazing. And I think you were talking about because uh, oh you were well, I love how enthused you get about VR. Like you can tell, you know, <laughs> like people listening, you don't see that Gwen's like literally like sitting on the edge of her seat as much as <laughs> as much as she can. You know, when With there's a mic, a mic in shoved face. in her face. <laughs> um. But I love how enthused you get about, like you said, when you go home and show it to people and um, and how excited you are about the advancement of technology. And I and I love that you seem very modest about your your growth and your capabilities in the space. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, it feels like you would have such a good idea, given how excited you've been about it and all of your various work in it. I feel like you have a sense or some sort of vision of like where you want everything to be and yeah. to go. I think I've been thinking about this because you mentioned, you know, when we talked earlier to kind of like, yeah, think about this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like super long term, like I'm sure we'll get to the point where we're all half cyborgs and stuff's implanted in our brain stems and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but who knows when that'll happen? Um, before that, I feel like the part that I'm most excited about is getting to feel like I'm really hanging out with people who aren't physically close to me. Like when I think about connection, yeah, when I think about like, I don't know, I've been in like a long distance relationship before Mm -hmm. and being so thankful for like Skype and being like, how do people do this? (laughs) Right. And it's like, how did people do this when it was like a letter that you would mail and like maybe they would get it. (laughs) You yeah, know, totally. Like the well, Pony Express carries yeah. it up the coast. Well, to Mike was just re- like listening to a book about John Adams and Abigail Adams. Like they would send <laughs> letters, and it's like she would get really angry because it would take forever. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like you know they they send they put it on a ship that most likely wouldn't make it across. Yep. You know. Anyways, <laughs> the point is, it's like and now we get mad when like we don't get a text. It's like, hey, your right, cell right. service went out for a couple hours, and I lost a bunch of your messages, right. or they got to me all jumbled. Right. Yeah. When it used to be literally the leather was sinking to the bottom of the ocean because that ship didn't make it across the Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So when I think about like how thankful I am with how far we've come with that and imagining like what would it be like to try and have something like a long distance relationship with a partner or just like with your family trying to stay in touch. Like I I try to video call my parents every weekend uh, and I'm really thankful for that like half hour or whatever where I can like see them and hear them. Um, And I like can't wait for the day when we can all just put on our VR headsets or glasses and sit down in a room together and feel like we're really there together. Transported somewhere else yeah. in, in in the same space. Um, I feel like we have pieces of that already, I yeah. feel like. Um, one of the people on our team uh, is from Australia, mm-hmm. and he recently went home and like left – a couple of quests like with his family. Mm -hmm. And he said that he just had an experience playing rec room with, I think his sister Mm -hmm. um, from literally across the world. Yeah. And they were like standing next to each other, talking in real time. 
And he had to point out to her like, hey, remember, we're like on opposite sides of the world. And she's like, oh, oh, my God. And she had like forgotten <laughs> that that was the case. Just that presence is so convincing. Totally. Oh. So we're getting like tastes of it. Yeah. Um, but it's like the barrier to entry is still super high. The and like the overhead and the fidelity is low. low and, like, and yeah. So there's like so much to work out. Yeah. But yeah, there's like. So many things to dream about with the metaverse or or whatever your like yeah. vision. The potential, the, the, yeah. the highest and most optimistic potential is is just infinite. Yeah, it is this almost a, an annoying question for me to ask. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, it's like, what's yeah. the vision you have for the future? I guess then to be more pointed, what are you most enthused about? Because you you are very excited about everything. <laughs> 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 and I mean that. That's fair. The and best that's a way. fair assessment. And but concerned. What yeah, <laughs> or, no, yeah, yeah. What is a certain vision that you have? I guess I like to ask that sometimes where it's like, what is a picture that you have that you really like about something that could occur? Yeah. I I love let me start by saying I love the internet. And like as messed up as certain parts <laughs> of the internet are. It is an amazing thing. Yeah. Like the fact that it exists and that, you know, there's lots of debate now about like we're moving away from a more open web to stuff that's more walled gardens. The splinter with, net or yeah. fragmented. Um, yeah. But I think the like original vision of the internet mm. is an amazing thing that still exists to some extent today. Yeah. Um, and I think my like dream of what VR becomes is like that, but instead of clicking around on random web pages, you feel like you're physically there. You just share physical spaces. Yeah. Um, and I anyone. think what I worry about is, I don't know, like one, like there's there's so much going on today about like big tech companies and the influence they have on our lives and like what it means for- Where the incentives lie. And just, yeah, and yeah. like what it means for like a single company like Facebook or like Google to be yeah. so, to like control so much about the information that we receive. Yeah. And I feel like those things probably only get worse in a <laughs> VR, metaverse, whatever you want to call it. We are more vulnerable yeah. than- if we're just behind a desktop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I'm like, I, I love that there are a bunch of, a bunch of social VR apps. Mm. I love that there are a bunch of big companies and small companies working on VR in general and social VR specifically. Uh, and like, do I want Rec Room to become more popular? And like, would I love for it to become <laughs> the metaverse? Like, sure. I, I guess so. Like, part, that would be great. Well, I wanted to get bigger. I wanted to get bigger. But like part of the metaverse. Part of part of the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm I'm curious what now having been removed from a big company like Microsoft for a while, I'm I'm curious what like Apple and Google and, and Facebook yeah. are talking about internally as their plan for like what they think the metaverse is going to look like. Yeah. Um, because I think a world where one company defines it is like probably not. What I want, and this is me speaking personally and not yeah. as like a rec room employee or anything yeah, like that, yeah. but that kind of stuff scares me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like any kind of sort of uh, singleton or corporation that can control too much of this this whole ecosystem or environment in the near and, and distant future just seems like a bad direction to go. Yeah. In this vision, you said you love the internet. There are challenges about that, just like we have challenges in the current internet today. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I guess one part of this question would be to to expand on what you were saying about like it would just be great to physically be there. Yeah. Um maybe could you use an example of like what what could that experience be like that you're just clicking to search something and then you and then what happens? Yeah. Uh let me give maybe like a slightly different example. Okay. Um so one of the things that I've worked on is Microsoft has this partnership with Case Western Reserve University, mm-hmm. where um, they use HoloLens to teach their medical students anatomy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, we had this demo a couple of years ago where you would, there'd be like a human sized skeleton that appears in your room. Yeah. And you kind of like click through it and you see like the muscles and the bones and the nervous system and all mm-hmm. that jazz. Um, and when I got to demo that to the head of anatomy at their school who was trying to decide like, is this actually a thing that we should use? And she was super skeptical. She was like, I've seen lots of new tech before. And, you know, at first we thought it was going to be iPads that were going to revolutionize it. Like, yeah. there's, it's hard to replace cadavers, like a yeah. physical human body that you get to dissect. Um, and when she saw the first bit of that demo, and it's literally just a static human skeleton standing mm-hmm. in your room, her mind was blown. Yeah, She just, like, lost her mind. Um, <laughs> it was amazing to see. Yeah. Um, just the power of, like, it making your job better, making your job easier, making learning easier mm-hmm. in a way that lets you like help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a like later version of that demo had um, a multiplayer scenario where you could have either in the same room or in different rooms, potentially across the country, students and teachers together looking at the same model the yeah. same hologram oh my gosh That's uh and nice. when i tried that for the first time and was talking to folks like <clears throat> on the other side of the country mm. um it and it felt like i was in a classroom learning something with a teacher yeah and they were just represented by these kind of like goofy looking avatars but yeah. they could move around i could see where they were looking i could see where they were pointing with their yeah. hands i could hear what they were saying and we were having this like shared experience together yeah and i forgot about all of the the wires and the hassle that it took to set it up yeah. or whatever. And it just mm-hmm. felt like we were in this place together, experiencing something yep. together. Uh, I don't know if that answers your it, question. It, it that, totally does. Yeah. And, and to be honest, one of my dream projects is to literally have just like nodes. Like it's basically a Wikipedia or an encyclopedia in VR. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that would be the bee's knees because you could just – literally enter into well my my to be more specific my my real dream one is like you have a historical event and you and you can click on that event or whatever you enter into that event and then you have different it's like that is connected to so many other events Mm -hmm. and so you can go back through history and understand how things impacted other things because we often were taught history with like this is Greece and Rome through these years and this is this through these years and you're never connecting the dots and you're not doing them across the board to understand what's happening all at the same time and what who's impacting who at what times so I I totally get what you're saying and I'm I'm also very passionate about that future that that really your your description of that really just made me imagine you know how uh MOOCs or or massively online uh classes mm-hmm. or courses um where you have thousands of people that that get onto this website or whatever like Coursera or Udacity and they will take some sort of course and learn kind of like you would in a university class 
Um, but like the interaction is reduced down to forums mm -hmm. where you can send messages back and forth or reach out to the professor remotely and try to handle all those interactions that way. But if you can take that kind of learning um, and then transform it into a, a kind of a mirror of what you would actually be able to get in real life in in-person lectures and then add in the overlay of interactive objects like a human anatomical figure that you mm -hmm. can look at the entire blood uh, vessel structure of the entire body or zoom into a specific artery in the heart and and like see blood flowing through there as a class everyone is interacting at the same, at the same time and you're not limited by the space of the room or anything like that yeah. or the location where where you live that can transform and open up education in a way that like I don't know how any other platform could do that. Even the internet thus far isn't capable of achieving that sort of like visceral learning experience. It's super powerful. The the visual nature of it and the fact that you interacting with it is so natural that you can just move your head to look around yeah. at things. Um and that you can see 3D in 3D, that mm -hmm. you're not seeing it uh flattened down to a picture in a textbook or even mm. flattened down to a 2D screen that you're holding mm. uh, in a tablet or something like that. Yeah. Um, some of the med students that we talked to who were like starting to learn using this app have said like they learned things that they have seen in textbooks before yeah. and like grokked it in a way that they just like never did before. Just grocked being it. able to, to see. Yeah. 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 To like really to understand in a way that it like clicks in your brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is like super, super powerful. Uh, and then, yeah, you can do things that are just like not possible in real life. So yeah. that's one of the cool things about Holotor, which, yeah, we probably can't get into in like a ton of detail, but mm -hmm. the idea there is it's a virtual travel experience where we transport you to um, a different place. So let's take like Rome, for example. Um, but then parts of it we would also do as time travel. So we take you to like the Roman Colosseum and you can see what it looks like in Rome today. Mm -hmm. But then you go back in time and you see a gladiator fight of like what it would have looked like when the Colosseum so cool. was That's back yeah. in the day. Yeah. That's great. Um, so yeah, imagine learning history that way. Yeah. as opposed to, Or like, like the, the Lancaster, <laughs> that, that back to that um, yeah. Berlin Blitz demo. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I had done that in history class instead of... <sighs> just reading textbooks like yeah. oh my gosh uh it's it's so true so we're talking a lot about different applications of vr but also like if you're thinking of it from that educational standpoint with the hololens like you're building you're working on a vr plat social platform right now but you've also worked on ar or augmented reality uh platforms hardware that allows you to see the objects and things in the environment around you, you're not being separated from the physical base reality that we all live in. You are integrating objects and things into that space. So what are, what are you, I mean, I don't want to make you like pick favorites, but what are you more yeah. excited about? What are you most excited about within that domain? Is AR something that you think a lot about? Yeah. And the, it's a hard question. I think the cop out, my cop out answer is <laughs> eventually we'll get to a point where there's no separation in the yeah. devices that just the devices can just do anything. Yeah. Um, can do both seamlessly. Um, and like the terminology that I know Microsoft would use is talking about mixed reality. Mixed reality. Yeah. That it's or like spatial it's a computing is a lot of people are. Yeah. yeah. Um, the idea that VR is one extreme where mm -hmm. it's entirely virtual. Yeah. The other extreme is just the real world. Fully where, physical. Totally physical. Yeah. And what we think of as like AR and VR are like different points kind of like 
along that spectrum. Yeah, just two different ends. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that like at this moment in time, the hardware you need to do either of those things is sufficiently different that they're different headsets right now. Yeah. Um, I think they're both really good at different things. And those things are going to kind of converge over time. Over time. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll, it'll take a while to get there. And like, there'll still be use for like completely VR experiences or like yeah. very light AR, like even if it can be done on, mm-hmm. on one device, I don't think every app is going to be some weird amorphous shifting back and forth. Yeah. Um, but it totally depends on the use case. Like mm-hmm. there is, man, there, there was <laughs> like, it's still, even after working on HoloLens for years, it still felt magical to put a headset on and see even just like literally a spinning cube <laughs> on my desk. Yeah. There's something about like seeing the real world, uh, like seeing real light passing into my eyes yeah. and seeing a hologram kind of on top of that. Mm-hmm. That feels like it's in my real world. Mm-hmm. That is something magical. To totally. That you know is not really yeah. there. But and talking about like the the anatomy demo, for example, mm-hmm. if we're like students in a class mm-hmm. um and our teacher is like we're pointing to this like shared hologram, being yeah. able to see most of the real world, um, you have fewer problems generally with motion sickness where mm-hmm. you the more of the real world that you can see. Um, and it's easier to have like human contact with other people. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna get better and better at avatars and like being able to emote in VR. Yeah. But it's a long way to go before it's like com- identical to like just communicating with your normal human body. Yeah. And so the idea that we can be wearing an AR headset where like I can look at you and we can we can make eye contact in mm-hmm. real life, but then also look across the room and see. We're looking at the same thing. human skeleton. There. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is like pretty magical. Yeah. Um, so I love that part of AR for yeah. sure. Um, with VR, the magic of just being somewhere completely different. Yeah. Entirely fantasy or just constructed. Yeah. Um, is amazing. And I think there's like always going to be a use for that. So I don't think it's hard to just like pick one or the other. Yeah, it really is. And I, it's funny because I have always been more of a VR person and I was always kind of like, I just Mm. don't think that you can do storytelling in AR. And I was just like really high on my horse about that. (laughs) Then recently Mike was showing me something in HoloLens and he he decorated the room. He loves to set up the room for me, you know, <laughs> and he decorated it with these holograms and then has, you can interact with them and, oh. you know, I can play around with them and he'll hide some so that it takes me, you know, it's kind of like an Easter egg. <laughs> um, and there was one that was like just a cute octopus. Oh. And when I took, uh, you know, like I took it off, I think what's so bizarre about AR is that because you aren't technically totally immersed at least with vr you're like wow i just came out of that world and i was in that world and then i came out of that world there's this one where like you're in this world sharing what you feel like is sharing an experience like this everyone sees this octopus yeah and um there's an octopus in the room it's a shared delusion but like because the two people in the room with me like i could see them and i'm interacting with them as i'm looking and interacting with this octopus and then you know you take it off and the octopus is gone and they didn't have the headsets on you know so i'm like that was a just a really weird experience where I'm just like <laughs> sad that the octopus is gone. First mm-hmm. of all, I was like, can we keep it there? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I just need can this in my life now. I want it always there. Well, it's kind of like that. I don't know that it was a dystopian, I think, short film about like a fake 
pet or a fake kid. I can't remember what it is. It's Ugh. like, oh, we get attached to these holograms. So like what happens when none of it's real? Yeah. But I when just the felt illusion like, is broken. Yeah. But I just, it, and it is sad, but I kind of felt the opposite. I'm like, no, let's just make the illusion happen all the time. I would yeah. love a Bring floating octopus. <laughs> yeah. To de- as a decor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about paying for value. I would pay for that, man. Um, <laughs> It's Anyways. like it's like <laughs> VR is night dreaming, meaning that you you wake up from it and feel like you've just like passed from one world into another. Yeah. And AR on that end of the spectrum feels like daydreaming um, or just like letting your mind wander off right. in the environment and you're thinking about things, but you're still seeing yeah. the world too. You're yeah, really I on like it that. with the dreaming analogies today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it seems to fit really well. It's just kind of a natural uh, translation. anyways well i'm really glad that you guys are working on rec room because you're gonna make that amazing internet future happen (laughs) i would love for that to happen beautiful part of the metaverse yeah you represent you know the non-Facebooks or whatever. I don't, know. I don't want to say that out loud, <laughs> the, uh, no, actually. The, well, no. the, it, the independent ventures, it's a, it's a team and you all are like Rec Room is a, is a startup yeah. really, that is building this thing independent from larger corporations. Not that they don't have something valuable to contribute as well, but it's just it's adding to maybe the diversity of platforms and, and components that are building this, this future yeah. for us. As much as I want vr to like be here and like be accepted by the masses and everything yeah i'm glad that there are small companies like rec room that are like helping build it Mm -hmm. that like would i trade having vr be a certainty and like a thing in everyone's lives now but there's a single big tech company that owns all of it would i wish for that like in this moment like probably not yeah um will we get there eventually i don't know maybe but yeah i'm excited to be a government for or like a central organization for the the virtual mixed reality future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of wonderful things big companies can do not to just crap on them continually. I feel like I've been, yeah. I mean, there's good a lot. I mean, it's, I love, I loved working at Microsoft. Yeah. It was awesome. It's um, all a double edged sword. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that like in this space, there's a mix of like a bunch of big companies and a yeah. bunch of small companies that are yeah. all, they're all working on it. Yep. Um, and as a consumer, I'm really excited about that to mm-hmm. see. And I hope a bunch of them win. I hope it's not, you know, yeah. just like winner, one winner take all in yeah. the end. Right. I love that. Um, thank you so much, Gwen. Yeah, this thank you for great. listening to just and really letting me rant about stuff and <laughs> ramble about stuff. I could and- honestly talk to you forever. We have some takeaways. I feel like we should all do some escape rooms and quests <laughs> together. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, yeah. and then we should also totally like talk again and do this more especially as you work on the economy yeah more and things change with rec room because i just feel like you guys are just doing such amazing things and it's only going to grow and get bigger and be more interesting and have more challenges (laughs) i was gonna say you're gonna run into all kinds of interesting challenges that i would love to hear about and talk through down the road again i would love to yeah, it's this like, has been awesome. You guys have had like so many amazing questions. I'm like, I've never thought about that. That's yeah. this is awesome. Well, it's like the evolution of humanity. You have you are you guys created you guys created fire. 
<laughs> then we started trading. Then we started trading seashells. No, first they, then oh. there was tools. Oh, the, tool, the, tools. The maker yeah. gun. Yeah. Oh, you know? oh yeah. <laughs> maker. The it's glue a maker gun. pen. Well, yeah. first it's there's not, interaction. First there's a, people. Then yeah. there's fire. Then tool. there's then there's the the maker tool. The, oh yeah, and you can build things. And you can start building things. Yeah. And then people start building things, and now that you're adding value into the things that they build, yeah. what's next? Uh, after the the value, after the economy. Yeah. What happens after that? Uh, in in the we, world, multi multi multiple realities. Maybe we start blending it back into the real world. No, I think we'll it's build just rec like room inside of rec room. Rec- yeah, yeah. rec room all the way down. <laughs> no, I think it's just like functioning in business. It's like that type of trade just turns into like the world. You yeah. know, it's it's it is the well, like it it bleeds into the rest of the world and the rest right. of society. services and products and yeah, creating right. value. And just like video playing video games used to be laughed at at the prospect of being like a profession. And now people literally become millionaires by competing in video games. I know. (laughs) Oh, as a side note, because I know we're done, but I just have to bring it up. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but (laughs) I noticed this is like never going to be able to fit into this conversation. But um, I noticed that there were like YouTube videos that you could watch of oh. people. This is like, you know, yeah. rec room inception. I'm like, <laughs> yep. there are YouTube videos that you can watch in rec room of About. people. <laughs> <laughs> of people in rec room? Yeah, they're like of acting people. out in rec room. Of people <laughs> oh, yeah. in rec room. But they're also, they're not just messing around in rec room. They're like doing YouTube videos in rec room. Like they're doing comedy bits. Oh, yeah. People, yeah, have, like, reenacted, like, comedy sketches. People have recreated music videos. That's one of my favorites. There's one. Wait, uh, really? I didn't know A group of folks who've done, um, I forget which song, but it was a song by Queen. Okay. And they did kind of a picture-in-picture thing where they had the original music video in the corner. And then them, like, shot by shot recreating it and filming it in rec room and then editing it together. Wait, they even have the BTS you're saying? Like, the behind the scenes of it? They're showing uh, so, so they did they did the whole music video, but you're saying they did the shot by shot, the same music video, but then did they also show how they did it? No, they showed oh, okay. like the actual queen, like original oh, got it, got music it, got video. It. To oh, show side by side. Yeah, okay. to show by side by side, yeah. Um uh, yeah. or people will make trailers for their rooms. Oh my god. In the same way. Because if you think about like, you know, if you're <laughs> an indie game developer and you're like, I've made my indie game, I've gotta make a game trailer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the same thing, except your platform is Rec Room instead of yeah, your iOS entire, or Steam or whatever. Your entire game <laughs> is independently imagine? developed within Rec Room, which is this a game is, within the real world. <laughs> this is yeah. so bizarre. Like, honestly, my mind is getting blown because I feel like the the sim- the analogy, I guess, would be like, it's not a fair analogy, which is why it's blowing my mind, which is like, let's say, you know, we built our house and then we were like wanted other people to come into our house and see all the things we built and then like created a trailer to get people to come into our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like kind of. That's yeah. <laughs> like it makes <laughs> so much sense and I'm almost like thinking back in the real world I'm like why didn't we do something like that to get people to come over and be like look at our Look at our place. I guess it's like if you build something like a haunted house, you do advertisement yeah. in some way. Yeah. So you just yeah. put a lot of effort into something you want other people to experience. Totally. I mean, like people build yeah. real escape rooms and then make their whole business off of just right. getting people to come and do their escape room. Yeah. 
I mean, we do that with our lives with like Instagram. Like we show off pictures and things to like make people look at what we're doing and be like, wow, that looks really fun. Yeah, That yeah. hike looks awesome. I want to go and do that. Yeah. Well, speaking of, there's also Instagram shots of people oh, in yeah, rec room. So yeah. yeah I'm have, telling yeah. you. Oh, God. VR. Yeah. You got to be there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been there. Sorry. I'll, I promise I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're still talking. Oh gosh, uh, this isn't gonna stop. One, I love this so much. <laughs> one of the cool things about like Rec Room and a bunch of other games and, and social VR is that people are making making new memories in these experiences. Yeah. So if you think about like Facebook, and Facebook is is amazing. It does so many things. It connects people. Yeah. Um, but generally, at least how I use it is about like sharing memories that already exist it's mm-hmm. about like documenting stuff that happened in yeah. the real world yeah um whereas in rec room and like tons of other games it's about like having new experiences and so i think when you think about it that way it's a little bit less weird that like oh of course you know i had fun playing a quest with my friends mm-hmm. and so we took pictures like we'll we'll play escape rooms and get to the end and do like a group selfie yeah like, and you're then, all like, here together we right, got through it in the same way that you would at the end of a physical escape yeah. room right um so yeah i think when you think about it that way it's like a little bit less crazy i wonder what the percentage of like photos on facebook right now that are actually just like screenshots mm. basically of virtual experiences mm-hmm. and like in 10 years if that number or like percentage how much that will have changed yeah like how much will will society and like social media start to adopt this sort of vision or view that like virtual experiences are just as real mm-hmm. in a way as real experiences yeah well it's like all question. the filters and stuff i'm sure years ago to be like you'd pay money to have a special filter to take a picture of something that's not really in the room with you, that's not real, that you're adding on to oh, like yeah. your face mm-hmm. or something. And like it's a pineapple on your head or something. People would be like, ha ha, that's hilarious. That would never happen. <laughs> like, you know how you want to look like a cat sometimes? <laughs> Anywho, are we done? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Reality Quest. And thanks to Gwen for spending the time with us. We really had a lot of fun that episode. And Gwen, we'd love to have you back on to just talk forever and ever another time. (laughs) It was a great time re-listening and definitely want to talk about the whole crafting economies aspect of the conversation. Yeah, I think we just barely scratch the surface there so if you want to follow Gwyn which you definitely should uh, she's on Twitter at (laughs) Gwymif I think that's also her name on rec room she was saying so it's G-W-Y-M F-F. Again that's G-W-Y-M as in Mary 
F as in Frank, F as in Frank, Gwymouth. Um, so you can follow her there. Also, if you want to check out Rec Room, so first Which of all- Which you definitely should. Oh, Rec Room yes. Is awesome. Heck yes. Um, so Rec Room, you can go to recroom.com. Uh, also follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Rec Room. So that's R-E-C-R-O-O-M. And um, make sure if you go to their website, check out their community page. So they have links to their YouTube, Instagram, all of that. But their YouTube, as we had been discussing towards the end of it, is just filled with amazing computer-generated content and people capturing just all of the different things you can build and do. And those are also great things to check out if you have, you know, a headset or actually, well, it's cross-platform. It's cross-platform now. You can check out as well. Yeah, you can check out those things as well just in the experience but i think watching the youtubes can give you like a glance into what's possible and then Mm. you can you can dip your toe there um but as we had talked about i mean they do comedy sketches music videos people do like youtube shows within rec room it's like inception perform in there it's it's crazy yeah um and so uh definitely check those out to see all the amazing opportunities that lie there Um, And I know Rec Room, like as we said in the beginning, this was a little bit of a dated episode. So some of the things that Gwen said, they've made a lot of updates. They continue to grow, improve. I think they were just listed um, on Tom's Guide as one of the best VR games of 2020, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they're like they contain multitudes. They're not just one game. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, so congrats to them. They definitely deserve that. They're also everything in Rec Room is a meta game. Yeah, it's it's experiences within experiences. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, They're also out on iOS, which you were just saying, Jay. So Mm -hmm. that was something we talked about in the episode. They are now out on iOS. Hopefully Android coming down the line as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can do all the same stuff as VR. So games, creation, etc. And it's all cross play between um, the platforms. And so you can go to their website to find out more about that. Or, you know, follow Gwen and send her a little message, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Gwen. Um, Yeah. What else, Jay? So the next thing we got coming up is Thoughts on Thoughts, which we've been experimenting with this on the ends of the last two episodes with Mike, um, where we did Welcome to the Metaverse, part one and two. And what we've decided to do going forward uh, to kind of divide things up and uh, kind of make separate digestible chunks, the next episode will basically be a review um, of a lot of the things we talked about in this, as well as expanding on some of those topics. Um, I think we would both love to dig more into the whole constructing economies and um, and other aspects of things that we talked about with Gwyn, but maybe glazed over. So yeah, next episode, thoughts on thoughts, hashtag thoughts on thoughts. Um, yeah. And then uh, if you want to follow Reality Quest or get more information on what we've been doing or hear from other awesome people within the industry and the types of experiments and projects and things that they're doing, um, then you can find us at realityquestpodcast.com. Uh, we're pretty active on social media these days on Instagram, and we are there at Reality Quest Podcast. And then we're also on Twitter at reality underscore quest. Yeah, and we love to hear your feedback. We encourage this every time, but we really mean it. Um, you know, Jay and I started this out 
six months ago, kind of? No, no almost, no, sorry. No, longer than that. It's, we're actually about a year now. We just started releasing. Right, that's true. Ago. That's true, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we literally, we started first talking about this whole idea in February of 2019. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God, and it's yeah. February 1st as we're recording yep. this. Um, high five to yes. us. <laughs> a year in the making, yeah. um, just from inception and starting to be friends and discuss like a, the a option. Podiversary or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Pod, our quest anniversary. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jay and I are constantly learning and improving. Uh, we're always meeting with each other and talking about like what we could do better. Mm. Um, we're really excited. Some of these episodes are still old ones. And so we're yeah. really excited to start recording some new ones. Uh, and, and essentially, we'd just love to hear your thoughts. Like, how are you reacting? Are there topics that you want to hear about? Um, any and all feedback we welcome and you can do that through messaging us on Instagram or through uh, sending us an email through our website and you can also uh, donate to us if you love our cause and want to support us Jane and I put a lot of work into these um, and it's all out of the goodness of our hearts but if you want to help support <laughs> us I think you can do that on through our website and it's mm-hmm. through Ko-Fi so K- coffee coffee K-O-F-I yeah is it coffee or Ko-Fi? I, you know, I don't know. I think you can say it either way, and it's ah. meant to sound like coffee. But oh, uh, okay. yeah, we have Ko-Fi. We also have Patreon as well. Yeah, yeah. So that would help us. I mean, like we've talked about just buying us coffees before to get us through all of these like recordings and editing and all of that. But also, there's a lot of equipment that we purchase to be able to do these recordings. Uh, and also, we would love to start traveling a little bit just locally so that we can. Um, access people in person and have right. that kind of intimate connection, but that are not necessarily Seattle-based. Very core to what we've been doing thus far. Yeah. Is like getting in, into the same room together and sitting down and having a real talk. So yeah. it's hard to do that remotely. For sure. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate your support. We would really value and love any and all feedback. And one last thing I'll mention is uh, Jay had mentioned the thoughts on thoughts. This is a new approach that we're taking. But just to clarify one thing, we are going to now be releasing those in between the episodes. So the next episode that he's saying is going to be next week. So we've been releasing guest episodes every other week. And what Mm. we'll start doing is doing a reflection on that guest episode in in between the weeks. Yeah, it could be a reflection on the episodes. It could also just be a episode where we just decide to focus on some things for that week. Yeah, for sure. Either way. We're kind of leaving it open, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we had a, a long conversation the other day, just kind of recentering. I mean, it's been about a year since we started this whole endeavor. And one of the things we really converged on is that this whole endeavor of making a podcast about uh, XR as a whole is really a learning experience for both of us. Neither of us really is, has ever wanted to just make an uber successful podcast in itself. So really, for us, it's a medium to learn. And we want to share that with you all uh, by making it into a podcast as well. So yeah. it's a good it's a good means to have these kinds of conversations, to dive into these topics and learn a lot more and just expand our breadth of knowledge and experience Um, while also sharing it with all of you. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope that you are learning something from this and also having fun with it like we are. That's (laughs) mostly what we're getting out of this. So, um, All right. Well, I think that's it. Thanks again for listening. And we'll be back in a week with Thoughts on Thoughts. See you next time.